Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Wilson Fisk, and I am the proud owner of these boys. I mean, the good and the bad and the boys podcast. It has come to my attention that you have not liked and subscribed to this podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe, or else follow us on social media and ignore those rumors you've heard about me. Those smear campaigns. Ignore anything you've ever heard about me, or else you will feel my ill intent. This has been your final warning. That is all. Enjoy this art piece brought to you by the boys. Thank you and enjoy. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Good, the Bad, and the Boys pop culture podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Taryn. I'm Isaac. And we are talking about today bringing to you some Marvel television. Oh, yeah. Um, we thought we would uh, diverse our genres and uh, go a little more on the television side of things since we've kind of covered a bunch of movies so far and games. So we thought we'd go the television route and check out Marvel's Netflix series. Um, I watched uh, the first two seasons of Daredevil this week. We binged it all in like two days. <laughs> just oh, yeah, to talk. Binge, the, binge the whole thing. I watched the <laughs> oh god! I watched the first season of <laughs> Iron Fist as well as the Defenders. Uh, so this so is sorry. sort of like a pre-Defenders and and also Defenders review. Yes, yeah. Of yep. the Marvel, we'll, we'll go so, right into Defenders after we're done with our TV shows. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, it, this is what you have to look for. This is the only Marvel content you guys get out of 2020. Is <laughs> yeah, our podcast. Yes. Yep. This this is as good as it gets, I suppose. Bet you thought but you yes. were going to see Black Widow. <laughs> you thought three week yeah. lockdown my ass <laughs> r.i.p black widow such a shame what? damn it yeah but uh but yeah so yeah netflix i feel like has a lot to offer it's got a lot of shows on there um it's got uh yeah daredevil jessica jones luke cage iron fist um they all kind of blend together they are also confirmed as part of the mcu Ooh. as well um, so they do tie in with uh, what we know from the movies as well. So they're so it's quite nice. It's canon. Uh, but yeah, uh, Daredevil was released around April 20, 2015. So that was kind of the the start date of the uh, Netflix side series of the MCU, and it uh, kind of came around the release of like Age of Ultron. There's a lot of references to the incident with the Avengers. They kind of they describe it as the death and destruction from above. So that's kind of the uh, the reference of the MCU. So they're trying to keep it all together a little bit. Um, there's there's even Fogwell's gym, which appears in Avengers with Captain America, which is uh, Daredevil's dad's gym that he uh, worked at. And uh, yeah, Captain America was approached by Nick Fury in the same location, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of a little background to the start of these series. We're really gonna we're and, really gonna uh, see Isaac be able to stretch his, his nerd wings here. As oh yes, he expertly Absolutely. points out I, all comic and movie references <laughs> and yep. obscure superhero lore. Yeah, I'm definitely that meme where it's all like the red lines uh, and, and maps and stuff, and I look really <laughs> crazy trying to describe all of the MCU lore 
and whatnot. So that's MCU lore. Isaac's the <laughs> just expect Isaac's that the, like the little shit post like redditor meme where it's like <laughs> actually pushes glasses yep. up that's yeah yep. that's gonna be isaac so you know it's probably good luck if you want to join in the comments here yes jumping into that Push up my nerd glasses here yes <laughs> perfect <laughs> so yeah so expect some marvel nerd you'll, you'll feel like you're at like comic-con which has been canceled this year so you can uh, just come listen to our podcast and you'll feel just like you would at a comic-con event basically like you're, you're welcome yeah just don't put on deodorant for a few days sit in your room and then turn on this podcast and you're basically a comic-con pretty much i, I haven't put on deodorant today so i'm fitting right feel in. free to dress up in fact i do have a daredevil cosplay from season one <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have publicly announced that uh <laughs> But, uh, but yes. <laughs> and now we know. Oops. Now we know. Secrets are revealed. I am Daredevil. Wow, the world's shittiest Daredevil. As the <laughs> uh, the local master of, of obscure Marvel lore in this podcast, our, uh, our correspondent, our Marvel correspondent, did you, you watch these shows before I did, did you, um, yeah. did you see any or read any comic books about any of these characters like before? You watch this? I, I had uh, some volumes of Daredevil, um, Frank Miller's. Um, I have like the first three volumes. That's when he kind of took over the Daredevil franchise and kind of made it a little more realistic, a little more gritty. Classic Frank Miller. Exactly. Yeah, like he does with everything, like Batman. And everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, he kind of he kind of uh, took the Batman route, I would say, with Daredevil. Um, really great key points um in those three volumes about electra about the hand um about electra's resurrection um and and also there's a really great graphic novel too um that i picked up a little later and it was um the man with with no fear Mm. um and uh that that kind of uh that has his more season one outfit and it kind of the season one really follows that background story of his um, okay. Even season two's uh, flashbacks with Electra as well. So there's there's some uh, good uh, Matt Murdock um, flashbacks in season one that's used in Man with No Fear, and that's a graphic. That's a five part series too, also by Frank Miller, I believe. And uh, yeah, really good. Uh, I highly recommend both of those editions. Real real good stuff, um, and they really u- utilize that in the show. Um, nice, nice. Not much of every, any any other characters. I haven't really. I I saw the like first appearance of Iron Fist and Power Man working together. Their first comic issue. It was kind of fun. Uh, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight were pretty sassy, and it was kind of cool um, seeing nice. them in action together. Um, yeah, uh, Jessica Jones. I did hear rumors about it, and the Purple Man, and it's way worse in the comics than what they show in the show. Big implications on what the Purple Man has uh, done to Jessica, and um, there's yeah, that I didn't really find out until once the show aired, and then I was like kind of looking into it, and I was like, ooh, yeah, Purple Man is spooky, his comic part, and he's he's actually the second villain uh, of Daredevils. Uh, he appears in Daredevil number two back in the '60s. Mm. Um, same powers of uh, manipulation, people's. Uh, minds and whatnot so uh yeah but yeah so there's there's some of that um so that's kind of how i was introduced to power man iron fist jessica jones 
and Daredevil. So that sounds like a like a much better introduction. The first time I saw Iron Fist was uh, was in a, a Wii game, a Spider Man game for the Wii. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was Spider Man, nice. friend or foe on the Wii. It's actually oh, pretty lit. Oh, okay. I was nice. like, who's this yeah, ninja? I think I played that at, at a friend's house. Yeah, I was like, day. that was pretty funny. It was like 12. I was like, yeah. who's, who's this white ass ninja? Who's <laughs> this white ass ninja? Oh, yeah. First Daredevil encounter, probably uh, the Ben Affleck movie. So, oh, no. not a lot of hope yeah. for that character going into this. Yeah, I remember glimpses of before watching the first two seasons. And yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, we didn't really know any better back in the day, but, like, <laughs> it was just what we had. But, yeah, it was pretty All bad. All we knew was CGI front flips. <laughs> yeah, CGI, right? There were so many CGI The 2005-ish so CGI dumb. front flips. I'd never heard of Jessica Jones before this series, and the only mention I saw of Luke Cage before this was, like, some meme taken from a comic where he, like, mugs Dr. Doom in his own castle. <laughs> Probably is trying to collect from Doctor Doom, I'm sure, because that's that's really Luke Cage's like main thing is trying to get money for his deeds or whatnot. Uh, at least in the comics, in the in the show, he's a little more tame with that. He's kind of like, oh, I'll just you know, I, I won't take advantage of people. I'll just do what I got to do. But it would be nice to get some income from it. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, but a bit of a mixed uh, mix of background on these characters. And how he learned about them. But I guess let's yeah, just jump right sure. into their their show counterparts. I say jump right in nine minutes into the video. But all right. Sounds good. Well, uh, should we go through the chronology of... Um, in order uh, of release? The, in order of release, Daredevil, Iron Fist, and leading into Defenders. Take, take I think the audience sounds through. Good. Sounds good. All righty. All right. So sounds Daredevil, good. what are your thoughts Daredevil. on him? How does, he, uh, how does he match up to the, you know, his Frank Miller counterpart? Also, his Ben Affleck counterpart. I want to hear a good <laughs> the ben I want to see a Venn diagram of similarities and differences. <laughs> this is prepared. Ben Affleck's, yeah. I, I'll try to remember the Ben Affleck one. Try I try not that. to. I try not to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great. This this show really services the, the heart of Daredevil, um, really services um, Frank Miller's vision uh, above all. And, yeah, it's it's just really well done. But yeah, this this takes place around the events to After Avengers, the first one. Um, it just take it takes place just before Age of Ultron. Um, so it's around the Guardians of the Galaxy, one and two, because Guardians and Ga- yeah, the first two Guardians are back to back in the timeline. So it's like during kind of around those events of the second one at least. Um, so just before Age of Ultron is starting. Um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah, season two of Daredevil is just after Age of Ultron 2, and just after Ant-Man, and, uh, Jessica Jones the first season as well. Also, Endgame is referenced a lot in these, <laughs> is these, it? uh, this show, so I was like, oh, is this a little, uh, this is a little foreshadow <laughs> to Endgame? <laughs> <laughs> they had it all planned from, from Daredevil, I guess. No, I don't know. So this is some time, uh, you know, with season one, sometime after the Avengers invasion, um, it's kind of a perfect opportunity for Kingpin to kind of get his hands on the development projects and kind of operate his criminal activities in a, you know, vulnerable state or vulnerable city uh, in Hill's Kitchen there. Hmm. Um, and what's what's really nice about these Marvel Netflix shows is that they they kind of put into perspective the the struggles of like ordinary New York citizens. Um, that that kind of li- like live underneath the superheroes, the big the big uh, superheroes and the large scale conflicts. 
Um, so there's there's this kind of small town feel. Um, there's there's even uh, uh, Matt Murdock and his uh, his buddy Foggy go to Josie's Bars, which is a location shared with Jessica Jones. So it's all pretty tight knit. Um, even Luke Cage uh, kind of hangs around. He kind of met Jessica Jones there at Josie's. So there's a real small town feel um, to these shows. And um, yeah, I got to say too, like the the coloring too of really all these shows they have they have different palettes which is definitely used in defenders but uh with this one it's it's a very noir like noir coloring um there's more shadows more red palettes throughout um, yeah, a lot of neon this nice... in this show just like yeah neon yeah lighting, a lot of a lot of backlighting and um what's the word silhouetting with daredevil and all that yeah for sure very it's serious. it's very much that yeah there's some vibrancy to it while also underlined with shadow Really, really good. Really good superhero nuance that you kind of see in the comics and whatnot. Um, so they really do good with that. And uh, heading right into the themes and characters of this show, um, yeah, definitely there's this huge establishment of, like, this conflict of morality just throughout. Like, there's this challenge of faith. Um, there's a tug of war on the soul, kind of some heavy religious symbolism. Um, the, the Good Samaritan is referenced a lot throughout the show. Um, this is this is what one of the few Marvel characters who are heavily religious. He's uh, Matt Murdock is Catholic, and uh, yeah, so it's it's really it's this really cool, interesting turmoil that you see throughout this show with Matt Murdock, and uh, he's uh, he's played by uh, Charlie Cox too. He's he's an amazing actor. I really I really admire him. I kind of want to emulate him <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, he nails it as Daredevil. Just, yeah. Oh, he's he's amazing. He even received um, the Helen Keller Achievement Award uh, from the American Foundation for the Blind. Um, wow. And because because he did such a great performance of being a blind superhero, and yeah, he's he's so so great at it, and he he took a lot of time and effort to really just nail that. And um, uh, yeah, in a in a in an interview with Kevin Smith on the Geeking Out show. <laughs> God, I'm such a nerd. But anyways, he, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he uh, he kind of described uh, playing this character as if he was like an alcoholic or a substance abuser. He he doesn't know where he's gonna end up each night. He's got a faltering job, faltering relationships. He kind of sleeps in a lot. He's kind of self-sabotaging himself. He's harming himself with what he's doing, going out at night as Daredevil. Um, he, so he's kind of having a a hard time balancing personal life with with his job as a lawyer nice that's a it's a big like superhero character uh i don't know yeah. theme is just that work-life balance we see it a lot i think the person who does it the most is like spider-man yeah spider-man Spider-Man's is a perfect example Parker's character in whatever medium he's in right yeah and he's dealing with the teenage life too um during that so he's got a lot on his plate and he's trying to balance it all but yeah so so similar with matt murdoch he's he's got that uh, struggle and he's he's definitely you know he's struggling with his faith and morality um, he has this great confessional opening where he kind of reveals who he is he's like bless me father for i've sinned and it kind of establishes who his father was as battling jack murdoch this boxer who unfortunately died in a mob kind of scandal he was supposed to go down in one of his uh, bouts and he didn't because he you know loved his son and he he wanted what what was best for him, and he he uh, he kind of rigged his own bet so Matt would be able to win. 
out of that bout, and, but uh, but unfortunately the mob caught up to him and he died. Oof. Yeah, so kind of a rough Uncle Ben moment, I suppose. Uncle Ben. But, uh, <laughs> nice. but yeah, so there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's this nice uh, father like generational like confidence and determination that Matt also has himself. He's kind of got this devil wrath, um, this this god godlike wrath. He's just got this big determination. And there's a great boxing imagery for that, too, where he describes with his dad. He, he, he's like, you know, my, my dad, he never got knocked out. He got knocked down for sure. But he always got back up, and he was always on his feet when he lost. And then every now and then he'd let the devil out. So that perfectly sets up how Matt is going to, you know, how Matt is as a, as a hero himself and how he deals with conflicts and how he deals with exacting vengeance and whatnot he will never get back down he will always get back up he's got that matt murdoch determination he's got the murdoch uh jack murdoch determination inside of him so it's a great setup for how he is it also he goes on to reveal too during the confessions of where he's he's seeking he's not he's not seeking forgiveness of what he's done but he's seeking forgiveness for what he's about to do so <laughs> that that whole proposition with the priest and the priest is like that's not how it works. That's not how it, it works. It's kind of a yeah. It, it, it's kind of uh, kind of a say of like how much in conflict he is with the established religious procession. You know, he's like he's in conflict f- for how things work in the confessionals, and it's just kind of another conflicted morality sense that he has. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's risking his morals right now to beat the hell out of someone. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so there's this big turmoil with him. And um, it also, that's what great, that's what's great about the Netflix series is that it establishes this humanity with each of these characters. Um, with Matt, you know, he's just a man, you know, and, and his fights are so grounded. Like, he's fatigued all the time. He's injured. He accrues serious injuries over time. It just keeps <laughs> getting worse, you know. And there's kind of this foreboding, like, mortality, too. Like, there's this future mortality that he's kind of facing. Um, And it just gives a nice um, realism to each of these characters because they all kind of deal with the same things. Um, And he's just a man, so, you know, there's this grounded realism. But what kind of makes him more special is his heightened sense with his blindness because when he was a kid, he saved someone from a car accident which chemicals spilled onto his eyes and he became blind but it actually heightened his senses even more so than what he could see in the in the past so he can't see anything but he can sense things that are um he can sense everything from taste smell location anticipation of movements he knows like what move you're gonna make um so yeah he he's got this awesome heightened sense and um and there's kind of a conflict too, symbolism with that. You know, he's he's blind, but yet he can still see. So there's still that conflict with him, and uh, and and there's just the sign of tenacity, and determination to survive with with his senses and with how he fights. So there's just this tenacity within him, determination of that Murdoch. Nice. I like the addition of his uh, his conflict of faith in there as well, and how that yeah. like counterbalances his superhero life, where it's a little more than just the the generic right. oh, i'm a superhero but i'm also a regular dude it's uh yeah what he thinks is right and what he's you know been been taught to think is right are two separate things and he, he tries to find a a balance between them mm-hmm. and then exactly. he doesn't he does a shit job of it <laughs> yeah he, he really does. <laughs> yeah it's very back and forth with him very tug of war 
very all over uh, the place. With how he does that. <laughs> but what you said about the blind thing, <laughs> it reminded me of a of an interview that he had during the casting for the Han Solo movie. Did you hear about that? How he botched oh, his no, audition? No, what? <laughs> oh, really? He was up for Han Solo? He was up for Han Solo. And he, oh, and he, no way. He botched his audition because he was acting like a blind guy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he was so ingrained in his That's yeah, he dude. Said. He's method, man. He's he must be a method performer because that sucks. Yeah, so he was he was just yeah. acting as if he was like a blind on solo walking around during Ooh. an audition. <laughs> gosh, that's tough. He's like, I forgot to use my eyes. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Is he now just typecasted as a blind person now? I he think he yeah, just now. typecast Daredevil. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm kind of glad he wasn't on Sully. He doesn't really look like it. I'm sure he could... I mean, he's a good actor. He probably would figure it he out. Could, but he could pull it he, he doesn't really... He doesn't look like Han Solo, though. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's, so there's there's good... Yeah, great fighting. Um, there's some, like, rain fights, too. Kind of, like, represents his cleansing of a city, which is kind of nice. And the long hallway scenes. The best scenes Ooh. fighting scenes i've ever seen ever the long takes the daredevil yeah, long, long takes take. yes and, and they happen in each season uh season one is in his uh you know season one outfit second one he's in his daredevil outfit and then the third one he's actually matt murdoch battling in a long scene take it's really cool isn't there a punisher one too well uh there's not oh yeah there there is a punisher one it's uh it's not one long take it's kind of there's a bunch of jump cuts in it but it's it's kind of the same thing. It just it just cuts, yeah. But it's still just very well choreographed. That's the prison one, yeah. Reason. Yeah, yeah. The prison, yep. The prison fight, really. Yeah, the choreography in the show is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I think it's probably the best fighting out of all the the shows. I think. Um, and then I think I think you said mentioned that uh, Captain America's stunt double is also plays daredevil which is yeah i was looking at that and i think it's at least season two on but it might be a little in season one the guy who does the stunts the action fight sequences for captain america chris evans captain america he is wearing the suit for a lot of those really intense long take fight scenes yeah that's amazing helps a lot just right it's nice to have a masked hero in that because then you could put you know whoever you want behind there who knows what they're doing and then still have the actor a problem that right. we'll we'll discuss during the <laughs> the Iron Fist yeah. segment <laughs> during the Iron Fist dilemma. Yeah, yeah, that little dilemma. But yeah, it's that stunt double, and the, yeah, and he knows. Yeah, he's amazing. Crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it, and it's it's great how you know they use the techniques of switching out the actor with the combat, you know, stunt man um, when he like falls through into a room and falls out of frame, and then Charlie Cox steps in. It's really well done. Really smart moves on like keeping. You know, Charlie Cox's performances and then getting the really hard stunt work and blending the two is awesome. The old so. movie magic. Yeah, movie magic. Movie it magic. It's amazing. Yes. That Disney money. Yeah, and his fighting style, it's so awesome that a blind man is able to just fight just because of his senses. And he, he's even, he's an expert fighter because he can anticipate everything. <laughs> so, um, doesn't even need, doesn't need to see for any of that. And, um, I think that how do you think the show does framing framing that and just sort of getting creative with the with the choreography and showing you know how he uses his, his senses yeah yeah it's it's uh that's that's a great point yeah it, it there's um there's a lot of really cool like movements that Charlie Cox does where he where he cocks his head he he kind of you can tell he's listening 
and he's he's trying to like he he always has his head down a little bit downward so he's not using his eyes he's just he's using his other forms of sen- you know sensories and yeah and it's it's really cool how just when something's about to happen he has this nice flinch that he he like anticipation flinch of his that's really cool um so you can tell he's alert he's he's kind of like an animal really he's like a, yeah he's got he's got this nice perception and just his his moves are spectacular too thanks to his training with stick and he he understands and anticipates the movement's heart rate he understands what what others are about to do and it's just really cool it's really you know they they do they do a great job with his senses but also matt is a little plagued too um, by his senses and there's like this overwhelming sense of injustice around the city he's had a hard time shutting out all the noise and he had to kind of train himself to focus on s- details and certain uh, noises and stuff. And um, yeah, he describes his vision. Um, they only show it once of how he sees the world, of this impressionistic painting of a world on fire. And you see it with Claire. You see kind of this weird morphed, fiery outline of her. Yeah, it's his world on fire. And 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 he he al- he always has like red glasses as well that he wears. So it's kind of like he sees through this red, fiery lens, um, which is which is great. So it's very subtle. I'm sure his Catholic ass isn't misinterpreting any fiery related oh, imagery in his head. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which you know, uh, needless to say, yeah, it definitely pulls into his devil imagery. Yeah, no wonder he wants to run around and beat the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's seeing a world on fire. Yeah, his world on fire. Yes, kind of like Marvel's Batman, really. Uh, I'd say he doesn't have the uh, the old uh, sensory deprivation tank like rich as Ben Affleck Daredevil. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we all want to forget about that. Yeah, it, it's it's not yeah it's not this like echolocation that they use. They just they make it way more symbolized and way more yeah. It's it's just way way better with the themes that they're going for. They actually know what they're doing this time when they make the show. <laughs> so it's quite nice. He he kind of lays down to. Uh, the foundation of the show with this great courtroom speech. I think it's one of his first things with Foggy. Um, he kind of just sits there listening to the jury, making sure it's not rigged um, with their heartbeats and whatnot. Um, and they, you know, he just says, you know, sorry, you know, I, I'm preoccupied of late with questions of morality, of right and wrong. You know, and sometimes the delineation between the two is a sharp line. Sometimes it's a blur. So there's like kind of a conflict within the confines of judicial law with its own errors too. It's not able to exact total justice. Um, and isn't that kind of his, his motivation to become Daredevil? Is his because he was what a, a public defender? I yeah, a public defender, the, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's just the he's not liking the justice he's seeing in there. Exactly, and and that's kind of a a a point he makes too. He's like the. The, the character of the person, like who, who this character is, because he is, he is defending a kingpin um, henchman, pretty much. So he's like, hey, you know, this character, who this character is and, and who they are, it doesn't matter here. It's irrelevant. And he'll, you know, we just have to state with facts. We have to just go play out the, the error of the judicial way. And he'll have a judgment of his own making that he has to deal with, which kind of means himself that because later on he confronts the henchman as daredevil so he's like 
you know, yeah, in this law we have to abide by the rules, but uh, he'll have judgment coming from you know to him. Um, this guy sounds like making. A, just the shittiest at the work life balance. They keep it his secret. He's like, don't worry, guys, I got him off the hook, but he'll he'll get his. Yeah, yeah, he'll get her. (laughs) They find him with all his fucking bones broken like two days later. (laughs) And they're like, hmm, wonder who did that. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of kind of outs himself in a way, but he he said (laughs) it pretty vaguely in the courtroom. It was it was kind of a just kind of like a little subtle moment. Uh, it wasn't those words exactly, but yeah, but yeah, he kind of it's kind of an outing if people really looked into it. Okay, don't worry, guys. Someone's gonna come beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Yeah, he'll have a judgment of his own. It's fine. I think in that moment he was like it was kind of himself that he has to deal with his own guilt, but he really meant Daredevil. So. But he really meant he was gonna he was gonna break his fucking. He's just there. gonna get his ass beat. So, <laughs> so yeah, going off of you know continuing on with the religious themes to the priest uh, father Lam- uh, I forget his name Lamin or Layman or something. His character is more of like a reflection of Matt's own soul, and it's kind of his soul searching a little bit. Uh, Matt kind of rejects his counsel a lot during the first couple episodes, but then he starts just with his inner tor- turmoil. He just doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to figure it all out, but he finally just g- goes in and um, and and he kind of brings to life to uh, the priest is like you know nothing brings people to the church more than the devil at their heels. You know maybe that's your calling. You know to bring people to righteousness. So he kind of like gives him that idea of that driving moment to define who he is and then still that devil wrath, devil angel guardian sort of, of, of just bringing people to justice, bringing people to, to the righteousness of God, perhaps. So that's kind of the priest's, uh, that's kind of what ingrained his devil persona, I would say. Devil persona. Do you see any, uh, any like fallen angel imagery with him? There's there's quite a, quite a bit, yeah. Um, uh, he, the title crawl... Um, itself uh, is kind of a great representation of that, yeah, fallen angel type. Um, there's a lot of mentions of Lucifer as well being the necessary evil that Lucifer was once an angel and has also fallen. Daredevil's kind of the same same way. He's battling with his own angst and sins of the past and his his dad's sins. And, and the title crawl's great. It's a great representation of all of that. Um, there's kind of like this blood spilling throughout the title crawl. This blood-spilled outline of the Lady Justice, the blind Lady Justice, which uh, you could say is like the blind charade, which you know could 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 like state how there's judicial error and and blindness to some of the injustices. Mm. But with with Daredevil, he, he his his whole thing is that he with his with his uh, sensories, he can kind of look into the soul of what eyes can't see. Um, you know, because he always is doing the heartbeat senses. He always knows when the truth is. He's looking into the souls of the of the people in that way, looking into their hearts. Great, great uh, representation with that in the title crawl. Nice. Was all this in um, like Miller's comics? All these like themes and the the sort of symmetry between his physical state and his like ideology. Yeah, there there is a lot of that. Um, a lot of church uh, cross uh, imagery. A lot of red, a lot of blood imagery as well. In, in the comics, it's n- he's not so heavy on the religious side, but it's there's still that undertone, and I think that's what eventually what what eventually Miller just takes off with the more of the uh, religious symbolism with fallen angels and whatnot. So, I, yeah, so there's a little bit of that in the comics, um, a little bit more prevalent, I feel like, in the sh- uh, the show a bit, and and also going into. There's also this like kind of blood spilling in the city too that you see, 
you know, it's kind of like there's, it's kind of the blood of the innocents being trampled on by criminals. Um, and, and, you know, it's just this whole concept of blood must be spilled in order to deliver justice. Yeah, and there's there's also the churches in blood as well. It's another turmoil of Daredevil, his, his deeds versus his faith and what's right by law and, and whatnot. So there's so there's a lot of yeah there's there's a lot of that blood imagery in the in the opening which is great and uh, even even the end credits too are in legal font too they're like Times New Roman so it's like kind of some good subtle details um, it's kind of like we're maybe we're the jury processing what what just happened there's like well you know the credits is a little legal crawl I guess so it's a very cohesive show thematically a lot of the times it really together, is especially like the iconography and stuff like the the, sim- the imagery, like you said, the suit itself, and then even the, the opening and closing, like, credits. Yeah, it's it's all just ties together. It's really just well put together. But yeah, going into some of the characters, uh, yeah, so, you know, he's kind of surrounded, he's kind of surrounded by characters who are dealing with a lot of the same things that he's dealing with, um, which is kind of nice. It's kind of like everyone's trying to work out their own inner turmoil. You have Foggy Nelson, his, his uh, college pal that went into law with him and then you have also Karen Page that they first represent in court um, and they're kind of a representation of the city and, and the family and, and maybe even like I would even go with like the brother sister mentality that Daredevil is like trying to protect I guess and they, they all have like this ambition to like kind of just deliver justice you know they're they're pretty definitive against you know against evil no matter how tempting for, for the most part I would say some some kind of do lead a, a similar double secretive life. Uh, Karen kind of does that a little bit. Karen tried to go after Fisk a little bit herself, and then she was caught up in that whirlwind. And Foggy and, and Murdoch stepped in to help her, but she's also kind of she was also keeping secrets from them to, and try to expose Fisk. Kind of she's kind of caught up in this haunting of the circumstances she's involved herself in. And uh, Foggy, he's played by. Um, Eldon Henson, I think is his name, and he's actually from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> so I, yeah, a little little Disney tie-in, I suppose, since mm. Marvels. The mouse's hands are everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Disney's the true kingpin. Every franchise. Yeah, the true kingpin. Exactly. <laughs> we need a devil to keep the mouse in check. Um, so yeah, there's this kind of comforting friend to Matt. He's 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 kind of the light humor of of the of the show. He doesn't do the best at acting, but he's not—he's not bad. He—I'm still—he's still convincing. It's good, good comic um, relief. Just some of his line delivery a little questionable, but he's not bad. But yeah, so he kind of tries to uh, console with Matt with this Thurgood Marshall uh, quote, which is a pretty good quote. It's like we must dissent from apathy, we must dissent from fear, because America can do better and has no choice but to do better. And Foggy is just trying to get him to not be so hateful and fearing and. You know, leave it up to the law. You know, and and you know, as as they agreed as partners to do. So you know, he's trying to bring him and center Matt a little bit. And um, but he also has a moral dilemma too about the career path he's chosen and kind of the income of the firm, because he's like, we're not really making any money, <laughs> um, <laughs> and maybe we should have stayed with the past firm that we were at, even though they were a little immoral and, you know, they're dealing with some Fisk kingpin stuff too. But uh, but he but he also sees a bad alternative in his um, ex Marcy, who you know grew up or went went to school with him, and he kind of sees what she's become in that law firm, and so there's kind of this nice uh, reflection there with him, 
Yeah, go, going back to Karen, too. Um, she's played by Deborah Ann Wool. She's hot. Yeah, she she is. She's very, very cute. And she's married to E.J. Scott, who's... He, he's he's kind of becoming permanently blind, I believe. That that must have been quite a, a intimate performance with her, with with, uh, with Charlie Cox. Because, you know, she she's married to a progressing blind person, so... It's kind of it's kind of nice, you know. I think she kind of brings some heart into into that performance, and she she knows you know how that how that goes too. So it's really great that you know we have these two actors and actress that just embody that that situation with a blind person, and it's just really it's really great. And uh, you know she she adds to some romantic romantic interest more to Foggy in the first season, more of Matt in the second season. And uh, you know she's she's strong in her morals, uh, but she she does lead a double life with how she plays on with justice, and she kind of plays on that knife edge of killing as well and going to that extreme. So very interesting dynamic on her part. I like that the characters are all sort of foils of each other. It makes exactly they yeah, they really are relatable to one yeah, another. Yeah, they're they're they represent each other. Yeah, it's this full circle. Everyone's going through the same thing, and it's it's great. Yeah, it just really adds and really solidifies the morals of the show and it's, it's wonderful uh her mentor too ben yurik great great uh, great performance great great uh, character too he's this uh newspaper reporter for the bulletin in hell's kitchen and he's just in pursuit of truth like even even when it kills him like he's just he's in pursuit he does not care but he won't cross any lines with like exploiting people to get what he wants so he's just a very he's a very stable man and um He's just kind of, it's kind of sad seeing like the downfall of his own news source. They're trying to go away from uh, scandals and gruesome details that no one wants to read into more blog type things, more opinionated. I don't know, it's kind of a reflection of what media has come to nowadays as well. And he almost gives into it too. Um, he's, all, he's like, all right, I'll just play along. I, you know, I got a job here and I just got to do it. But, but then he, he just can't go that far. He, he's got to get the truth out there somehow. And he's just a great mentor to Karen in that way. And Karen wants to do the same thing. And he, yeah, he also, too, he struggles with the balance between work and personal life, too. He, he wants to retire with his wife who has dementia. And he just kind of wants to live out the remaining days with her. But he knows the truth must be told. So, you know, he's he's got that little bit of a dilemma there. Um, so everyone's kind of has this personal life balance turmoil that they have a little bit. And then going on to Claire Temple, which she's a reoccurring character in almost every of the shows. She shows up. She, uh, and, and I believe she's, I'm, I'm really excited for her to, to play Ahsoka in The Mandalorian, if that's if that's actually what's going to happen. I think it is. Did you see Disney released, um, what was it, some like new toys? Uh, some part oh, of the new toy line, the pictures that are on it, they like change the way she looks to look more like Rosario Dawson. Like Rosario? Oh shoot! No, I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh my god! You'll have to send it my way. Yeah, I'll have to send that. Dang, some, that's pretty cool. Some leaks, some super, you know, fucking Reddit watch, watching Star Wars nerds are like, I saw a picture on the back of a box <laughs> of a toy that's not yet released of a Tano who looks more like Rosario Dawson than the animated one. Dang. <laughs> Sounds seems legit. And, you know, I make fun of them, but I, I knew it. I knew the same fact. I saw it, too. I saw the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm excited. We might we might see her in a couple days. Who knows? With the Mandalorian out, it's going to be it's awesome. true. We might. Which is amazing. Yeah, she she's a great actress, too. I think she's great in every season. It seems like Iron Fist, she's just a shoe in 
She is a little a little ham fisted into Iron Fist. She has fun with it. Uh, yeah, know, she, yeah. She brings the for the sure, charisma. but there's no reason for her to be there. There know? really isn't. She's just like in the in the dojo one day. Hey, in case you guys forgot, this is a Marvel show. <laughs> right. Yeah, we gotta keep it all connected. So sure in. Nice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, how does Daredevil do that? The tie-ins with the old the whole MCU and the the bigger disney plot Uh, it's a little more well it's a little more subtle i think they're trying to be their own thing not trying to be too overshadowed by you know all the major blockbuster movies but and that's what i like about it it's kind of the small town you know just as i mentioned like you know just average ordinary day citizens trying to work and live and struggle through life and that's you know different from what these superheroes are doing you know every day so they're a little subtle about it, so that's why they only make reference. They don't exactly say things about Avengers. They just reference it to the incident. They don't go into details. They don't even say aliens. They just say rain destruction from the sky. They're they're very subtle with it. They want they they don't want to be overshadowed by that. And that's that's kind of it's kinda of neat. And then yeah, within the shows they're trying to keep it a little more connected with, with Claire and but uh, she's She's a great character. She's kind of like Matt's consciousness, uh, his kind of reflection on his moral intentions himself. She argues that, like, not everything can be solved with a fight. That's her big thing with him. Oh, yeah. That's her thing with everyone. She probably says that to every character throughout Netflix. And, and, and it kind of reveals that there's this hesitation in Matt, too, that she sees. That he just, he doesn't really actually seem to enjoy it. Um, he doesn't think he's a hero, you know, someone always dies or gets hurt. You know, he th- feels like he's just making things worse. Claire, her biggest worry is that he'll end up like a martyr or a saint that she read about in Sunday school. And they always end up bloody and alone. I like the, uh, I don't know, sort of like the themes of like the angel and devil on the shoulder. Yeah. Like you said, each character is sort of a mentor and also someone who is also pulling them in the opposite direction. You know, Matt has mm-hmm. Claire to tell him to not beat the shit out of people and... And Foggy has his ex-girlfriend who, you know, he sees what she's become as that uh right. as that shitty sellout lawyer. Kinda like that. And there's a, a lot of a lot of like the tug of war themes between good there's and so evil many of going that, on in yeah. this show. Yeah, there's so many evil and good reflections on on every character of what what, what their good and evil uh, potential is and there's a lot of reflections on that claire's a perfect one for the reality of matt's situation and and that gets in the way of their relationship claire and matt hook up for a little bit and because of her concerns she just couldn't couldn't uh, follow through with it Mm. um so it gets getting in the way of relationships getting he's sabotaging relationships his personal life just by his decisions so he has you know so there's this turmoil and conflict throughout the show that's just absolutely wonderful great great drama and and yeah and going going into his evil reflection of himself um kind of going to his more of uh his past here battling jack leading into stick but yeah there's there's this kind of great sentiment like sentimental flashbacks with his father you know matt matt is freaking out about his newfound senses you know once he becomes blind and and there's this great moment where there's just noise surrounding him jack's doing all he can to to just you know calm him down and there's just so much noise and then his father just gives a nice comforting whisper he's like matt you know and it just focuses in matt and it's just a great moment 
and and it just shows how you know his father wants what's best for him he does not want him to box or to fight he wants him to be studious so that's why he got matt into you know the law um aspect of things he wanted him to study as hard as he could not be him you know he didn't want him to be his father's son you know he wanted matt to do his own thing and um but but matt unfortunately kind of carries his father's sins with him and 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 his rage um but he also has jack's heart as well you know and that's that's again another inner inner conflict that he has he's he's got the rage but he's also got got the you know the goodness inside him as, as well and 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 his goodness too comes from his dad sacrificing himself for Maddie too, just giving rigging the bet for his son and and not giving in to the mob too and 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 there's this wonderful moment where Jack steps into the ring and he opens the door and there's just this blinding heavenly light that he's walking into so it's this great religious heavenly Jesus parallel of him sacrificial parallel. And uh, he also, yeah, and he, he was trying to also get Matt to his mom, too. His his mom is more introduced in season three, too. You get a background of her, and she, so you get a little more information on, on his mom. But uh, you just kind of wonder how Matt would turn out if Stick had not found him and kind of corrupted him just a little bit. Good old, good old Stick. Yeah, good that old guy. Stick. What an asshole, huh? <laughs> he's awesome, though. I love him. Oh, he's yeah, so he's funny. so cool. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a badass, um, and he's kind of Matt's like devil on his shoulder kind of thing. He's like he emphasizes survival by any cost with like the gifts that Matt has. He's like you have to use your gifts, so he trains him well. He trains him all this. He kind of he kind of tries to put him into the extreme of killing all the time. He's he's always playing devil's advocate of like you just got to kill. They won't you know. He's just he's all about the killing mentality of keeping crime in check. So he's a very strict father figure and mentor. I'm a little abusive. And he also abandons Matt, too, when little Matt gives him a bracelet thanking Stick for his mentorship. And Stick just crumbles it. And he's like, get out. You know, I'm not training you anymore. Go Get out. So he, like, he abandons him. So, yeah, Matt had, like, kind of a double whammy, a double abandonment. So he's got abandonment issues, abuse, abuse from his father figure mentor of Stick. So he's kind of has this duality. He's, he had a great father with Jack, and then he had a horrible father with Stick. So there's another conflict within him. So yeah, it's just it's so great. Yeah, it's just yeah. St- Stick is so funny, um, but yeah, he he does screw over Matt, and it just kind of changes him forever. I feel like yeah, Stick's a little shithead, but it's just so fun <laughs> to is. watch. Especially the what's the actor's name? Oh, I forget. Yeah, he's great. I I I I'm not sure if he's blind Scott in real Glenn. life. Scott Glenn, yeah. Is he blind in real life? I don't think so. No? That's a great performance from him, too. <laughs> um, if he's not blind, that's that's great. <laughs> but speaking of abusive fathers, we we turn our heads to the to the, the head of the snake himself, the kingpin. A fucking kingpin, baby. Kingpin is so good. This is, like, probably the best representation mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's usually portrayed by a mustache-twirling mobster. But this show, just... <laughs> or Michael Clark Duncan, and yeah, Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yes, yeah, shouting, abrasive, you know, big old dude. But no, the New Yorker. This, Yorkies, this one, yeah, this he's played by Vincent. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna mess up his name. Vincent D- D'Onofrio. I think it's D'Onofrio. 
Sure. He was the bad guy in Jurassic World. He was also in Magnificent Seven. He's a really ta- he's very talented. He he really gets the heart and soul of each character that he plays. I feel like, and Kingpin is no exception to that. So good. There's there's a great like anticipation build up, just like the thing. <laughs> it's kind of what it reminded remind me of. <laughs> but like no one says his name throughout the the first half of the season, but you can see his powerful and deadly influence. Uh, people suiciding themselves if they <laughs> slip with his name. Um, there's just this fear in everyone about this kingpin, and it's it's just great. He is very paralleled with Matt Murdock, and that and that's just great. Like everyone is dealing with the same thing. Kingpin is also dealing with the same, and that Matt Murdock is also uh, dealing with. And there's this dichotomy of the two systems between the judicial and the criminal, and there's this blur of delineation as Matt Murdock stated in the courtroom, you know, of, you know, both are falling flat with errors and they both use this blind charade with the, you know, anonymity of their humanity. And there's kind of a big parallel between Nelson and Murdock. And then Kingpin also has his um, assistant, Wesley. So there's a nice parallel between the Nelson and Murdock and Fisk Wesley. So these are like the two opposing forces. Nice. So Kingpin's sort of like the personification of of the those blurred lines that sort of flawed justice and yes, he the, is Matt Murdock he, talked right. about. Yeah, he he's got the same conflict with within him just like Matt Murdock does, which was so brilliant. Uh, that's what makes a show compelling is that you almost like I was almost sort of rooting for some of the kingpin in some moments, rooting for Matt. And, <laughs> you know, it's like he he was his his ideas are so interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Ben Urich comments about that. He argues that there's no heroes, no villains, only only like different agendas. And the priest says the devil walks among us in many forms. It does state that Fisk is kind of a representation of greed, dog eats dog kind of world. Ben Ben Urich um, argues that he thinks regular working class rules don't apply to these type of people. Um, and it's kind of very No Country for Old Men, I guess. Um, ben Urich kind of has the, the same themes with uh, No Country, um, I've noticed. The Kingpin himself, he is just, he has a fascination with art. Um, and in the comics, too, Kingpin throughout tries to steal artifacts. There, there's a, like an older 60s one where he's trying to steal this uh, artifact uh, inscription that's like the power to immortality. So he has this fascination with culture and art and appreciation so i'm glad that they kind of brought that into this um and there's this kind of twisted sentimentality with him and and beauty and morals about what he thinks is right by like cleaning up his city he's trying to wash away the filth and poverty he he himself believes himself to be an artist by using force above all not just not just money and influence but by force and that's very prevalent (laughs) In, in uh, season three, he wears his classic kingpin outfit. The kingpin himself wears a lot of like white with a black shirt underneath. It's kind of his signature look. So yeah. it's kind of the outward, uh, outward appearance of like a savior and kind of like this dark, dark soul underneath. He's, he's always tried to run for mayor. He's kind of a politician himself. So he feels like he's the savior when in reality he has quite a black, black heart underneath. And he has similar upbringing with uh, Matt in abuse. Uh, he, he gets it a little bit more than Matt does. Um, way more, actually. But um, he, he kind of feels tied to his past with his abusive home 
and his mom and his abusive father abusive to him and his mom um and and he just wants to make this city a better place for the average new yorker he feels like his father has been wronged in the past he kind of looks at his dad as a victim rather than 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 like an enemy he's like my father was wronged my father tried to go into politicians but the city said no they didn't vote him in you know even though his father was really messed up to him and his mom um, but he has this really weird sense of, like, people have wronged people, and I need to clean the city of, of that filth. Yeah, he kind of carries on the, the sins of the father, too. He takes up his dad with—he tries to campaign as a politician for Hell's Kitchen, campaigning to clean up with his um, with his development projects, which are totally corrupt. Yeah, and he, he actually wears his father's cuffs, too, to remind him that he isn't cruel for cruelty's sake. He's, he's not his father, but he— he kind of carries on the lingering sins of the past, though. But he's he's not doing it. He's not being as cruel as his father was. He's doing it for a reason this time. So, yeah. And, and the episode in that is, is so appropriately named. It's episode In the Blood. Really great background into Kingpin. And very similar with Matt's father as well. And his, and his relationship with Stick. And the abandonment and the isolation. And uh, he, he feels alone, too. He, he feels like he's the only one true person who understands what he's doing. Kind of like Matt. You know, Matt, th- Matt is like the only one who, who thinks, you know, no one understands what Matt is doing, too, as Daredevil. Only he understands. So similar with the Kingpin, he is the only one who truly understands what he's doing. And uh, he buys a piece uh, of art that represents the isolation moment in his childhood. He had to stare at a wall while his mom was being abused. And um, that was a moment where he really, truly felt alone, I feel like, really felt isolated and really felt it, it was all up to him at that moment. Like that, he, it was it was his isolation. He just felt, he, he felt a, a sense of loneliness in that moment where only he could do what he could do for himself. And he bought it from Vanessa, his ultimate weakness, Vanessa, his wife. She appears quite a bit in the comics. She is that's how you get to Kingpin, is through Vanessa, if you ever want to take him down. Uh, he has a weak spot for Vanessa. And he has a twisted sense of life and value, and he believes he's not entirely defined what he is caught up in, too. He's trying to balance personal life, too, with Vanessa. And he's, he's, he has this conflicted admiration of value in good people like Vanessa, who he feels like is unique, complex, strong, independent. Um, he mentions you, you can't be bought. You know, you are a woman who cannot be bought, and that's that's uh, that's really admirable that he feels like Vanessa is. So he he goes through. He doesn't he doesn't buy. He doesn't use his influence to try to get Vanessa to like him. He he just he just goes with the flow. He just asks her out. You know, he he just doesn't use his power to force Vanessa to love him. He he actually gives her a choice, and she chooses to accept because she also feels that he's also doing right too by cleaning this city. And, and Vanessa kind of just reminds him of, of who he's trying to save. The sentimentality, maybe from his mother's abuse, too. He feels maybe really protective of her. He's just so drawn to her. It's no wonder that he's so drawn to her. She's just so independent and unique in herself. And he actually, he reveals his name to her, uh, too. That was kind of like the first first name reveal, I, I want to say. Or, no, I think, I think it was revealed at another point. But he does reveal his name to her. He doesn't keep his name anonymous because he trusts her he, he loves her he even hangs her art piece in his bedroom so there's this big intimacy with Vanessa that he has 
And I, I'm glad that they established that relationship. It's so much more in-depth. More of like they're collaborating with each other. They understand each other. Yeah, it's really interesting, him and his wife. Matt uh, goes to investigate Vanessa. He finds out that Vanessa, there might be a tie. See, she, uh, he's, he's going in as, you know, he's like, I, I need an art, art piece. Uh, a lot of the women I bring over say my apartment is bland because I'm blind. That's his excuse, which is kind of funny. Um, so he's like, yeah, I need some art piece. So he's, you know, trying to, he's pulling a little detective sleuthing with Vanessa. And she, re, she suggests to him the love and anger piece, which is his painting of the world on fire. It's pretty much as the same exact pattern and coloring of how he sees the world. You know, she mentions that there's no absolution between love and anger. They're both red. You know, it's a, the, the adding to the moral dilemma uh, of, of that aspect. Love and anger, you know, it's kind of a, it's what Matt and the Kingpin are struggling with. It's the balance between job and personal life, personal ties. Um, even even the priest, too, he mentions a Psalms verse, too. He's like, there's a there's a poisoned well verse or something about, like, how if, if a well is infected in the community, it spreads, it can infect so he's, he's saying, hey, if you make these choices and, you know, if, if you're really thinking about murdering someone, Matt, like, just know that this can infect your life, can, can you know, your community, your family, yourself. So there's this big Batman. Again, it goes into the Batman mentality of killing to clean a, a city. So there's this kind of interesting inf- infection that murder and using evil's methods can, can bring upon it. Yeah, and, and the priest said uh, the reason why Matt went to go uh, investigate Vanessa is that he was trying to reason, rather, th- rather than how to kill Fisk, he was reasoning that Matt was finding a reason not to kill Fisk. Now, that is the, that is the delineation, I think. And it kind of defined uh, Daredevil's stance, um, that there is light in all people. He saw that Kingpin was capable of love with Vanessa. He, he saw a reason not to kill Kingpin because of that. Um, and and he, he said there's a light in all and redemption must be an option. We have to try. We have to try to get people to do better and not snuff out the life entirely, which is what Punisher challenges him a lot on with season two. Punisher, baby. <laughs> yeah, Pun- Punisher is just like, well, when I, when I put them down, they stay down, Red. That's what he... <laughs> So there, there's a big, huge, it's an awesome scene. There's a bunch of bickering on this rooftop. Daredevil's in chain, is chained up by Punisher. And Punisher actually tapes a gun to his hand and like tries to force him to kill a criminal. So there's a big, there's a big uh, little tension behind that. And there's a great parallel between both Matt and Kingpin after, uh, right before the finale, is that they have this dilemma of balance between private life and their job. And they must, you know, they must choose between savior and or you know or oppressor, light and shadow. They have to choose, and and they kind of make a parallel uh, oaths and promises. Uh, Matt, in his confession to becoming the devil himself, uh, as suggested by the priest, you know, giving a reason not to kill people. He has made uh, his confession that he will he will become the devil himself and save all and not kill anyone. And then Fisk in the hospital beside Vanessa, something happened to, to Vanessa and she was put in danger and the kingpin vowed that he would protect her at all cost. Whatever he had to do, he would do it just to save Vanessa. So that's where the all the pieces fall into place. That's when the good Samaritan quote comes into play where Fisk realizes who he really is. And he defines everyone's roles. He defines Matt as the Good Samaritan, 
Fisk as the ill intent upon which the traveler was waylaid. And the traveler itself is the city. So there's this big, evil, good, you know, dynamic that is just established between Matt and Kingpin. And the Good Samaritan is a perfect symbolism for that, which is great. So that's why Daredevil is awesome. <laughs> and that sounds it's, it's so amazing. awesome. I, you know, I think Kingpin is uh, is is a fucking simp, is what I think <laughs> he Kingpin is. is. <laughs> he's the, the ultimate villain. villainous simp. <laughs> he's a he's just a simp, and that's really what's killing the city. Well, and I think that's I think that's what Daredevil was really ultimately trying to prove is that you're a villain if you become a simp. If you're so a simp, you become just a villain. know that. No, so that's if the boys' you're final. To this, uh, don't be a simp. <laughs> final conclusions on Daredevil, <laughs> the Daredevil series. After my huge monologue rant, that is my. That is what I took from this. That's the conclusions. As the Bible says, something, something, St. Matthew's, destroy all simps. Destroy, yes. And don't be a simp. And don't be a simp. Jesus is watching. The, the fucking devil in hell's kitchen is watching. He's on your heels. Deliver you from symptom. Deliver the simplified justice. But yeah, that, that is how you get to Kingpin. So, you know. Wow, nice. So great show. A lot going on. A lot it's going so on. so much, yeah. Season two kind of just... Yeah, season two um, kind of deals with more of the hand. I like the mysticism behind it. It's kind of the personified evil. But uh, yeah, uh, it's not as complex as the first season. And definitely not as complex. The season three is probably one of my favorites too. But Season three is a good one. That's for another another day, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> if you guys like this video, let us know. We'll do a post-Defenders Marvel Netflix review. Yes, let us know. And uh, yeah, I will say too, like Electra too, kind of comes in. She challenges the same thing with Matt. He's trying. She's trying to bring a dark side to Matt too, throughout that kind of oh, like we her, talk her in, black sky potential. We talk in Electra. We talk in two thousand five. Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> Jennifer Gardner. Electra. The ghost herself. The walking corpse. Electra. She's in the show. The old eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Electra. She made an encore of Electra. <laughs> no, just kidding. It was. It's a way better actress this time. It's so way. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Elodie Young is Electra. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. And this and the, yeah, she's, and the she's Defenders. Great. She's she's scary. She could beat the shit out of me any day. Yeah. She's she's very <laughs> agreed. Yeah. She's 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 great. Uh, I, I do love Daredevil's season one outfit. It's probably the best. They brought it back for season three. That's the OG one, yeah, where he's just in the black. It's the OG, stuff yeah, with which a, is with amazing. That's that's the Man Without Fear, yeah, comic fear. version of it, and it's amazing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, season one, they introduce his Daredevil costume, but um, his eyes and nose are a little shrunken in, and it kind of got a little slack <laughs> from the audience. <laughs> so they corrected it in season two, where Punisher like shoots off his, or like shoots him in the head. <laughs> So he has to go and repair the the mask. It looks way better in season two, and then into Defenders. Oh yeah, it looks it looks great in Defenders. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah. It's it's so cool. I love the body armor aspect to it, but just nothing like the season one black suit. That's it's just a little more grounded and just cool ninja like. I love it. Nice. So that's that's Daredevil. You guys should definitely watch the show. Definitely um, watch Daredevil. Yeah, Netflix is overwhelming. Marvel's a bit overwhelming, but if you had to watch any show on there, please watch Daredevil. At least at, at least Daredevil. And I would I would go as far as to watching the entire show cuz it's awesome. Season 2 is a little lackluster, but still awesome. A lot of ninja fighting. But just please watch this show. It's so good. 
And, uh, yeah, they canceled after season three, I, th- I believe. So Dang. There's no more Daredevil after it. Well, uh, that we know of. That we know uh, of. He might, he might make an appearance with Spider-Man. My theory is that he's going to go defend... Uh, Charlie Cox is going to go defend uh, Spider-Man now that his secret is out. So I feel like there's going to be a little Spider-Man Daredevil team up. Maybe Kingpin Vincent will make a return. There was some stupid wrestler that was trying to be Kingpin in the MCU movies. And I was like, get out of here. You're not... <laughs> no one is Kingpin after Vincent. No Vincent's one is performance. Yeah, that guy like, is I'm just... sorry, you're not. Yeah. He's scary as Kingpin. And I th- it's like you said, he's not he the, you know, the loud... Just the shouty, muscly New oh, Yorker. Yeah. He, he, he is, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like and the it's... Spider-Man video game where he's just shouting at you the whole time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <fist> tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's, like you said, he's a lot of a lot of the no country, just more of like a, a sense of dread emulates around him, especially with the performance delivered by Vince. Yeah, he's so grounded, yeah. He's so yeah. grounded in his performance. He's he's human in it. He's not a mustache twirling villain. He's 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 human, and his background just makes him that much more human. So that's just and he just man Vincent's performance amazing. No one else better take on his role. I, I swear I'll sue. I'll sue I'll if that sue. happens. If you we'll bring if down you don't the full force let him become of the, kingpin again <laughs> of the good, the bad, and the boys. And, and Listen trust. here, Disney, this is a threat to you. <laughs> this is a direct threat. I have my lawyers. Oh, God. You know, we've made a lot of enemies over the course of this show. The U.S. government, we're probably on a watch list of. After last episode, I don't think any, any political party would affiliate with us. And no, now, uh, no, we and now, shit on both of them. <laughs> now some fucking assassins in mouse ears are going to are gonna kick in our doors. Probably. The last thing I'm going to hear when I'm, when, I ha- when I'm woken up to a hand covering my mouth in the night is just... <laughs> And then just <laughs> yep. a little shot the through a pillow. Mouse is always watching. Always the watching. The mouse is always watching you. Be careful, viewers. You also might be on a Disney watch list if you listen the to the podcast. The hand but, of Mickey do not is fear. watching. Yeah, the hand. <laughs> the five fingers of the hand. Uh, or the Disney. four fingers, excuse me. Well, Disney, speaking of mustache-twirling villains, <laughs> the shitty villains of <laughs> Iron Fist. Ooh, Iron Fist. <laughs> Iron fucking Fist, yes, baby. let's talk about it. All right, yes. Yeah, so Marvel Netflix television. It opened with Daredevil. And then, what was it? It was Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and then Iron Fist. So it's a, like phase three-ish MCU. So it's all, yeah, this is yeah. all is, like post-Age of Ultron MCU activities. Yeah, Iron Fist doesn't do too much to, it's like you said with there. I think Marvel Netflix is trying to do their own thing. They would get foreshadowed yeah. a lot. Uh, these heroes, if they were, you know, associated with part of the larger MCU themes, uh, they wouldn't be able to focus on all the great stuff that you talked about in the Daredevil a bit. A lot of those more subtle, character-driven conflicts yes. that we see. A lot but, of good symbolism. A lot of good, yeah, exactly. yeah, stuff like that. And I think I think it was a good call to do this as like a television show series because then we got to get those more like intimate character growth especially with matt murdoch i think a lot with jessica jones as well with her battle with the the purple man yes i think luke cage is a is a good example of like like establishing motivations for kind of the the hometown hero vibe where he's all like his whole motivation is like defending harlem and like what pops taught him and just trying to be like a pillar in the community as opposed to you know the fucking insane insane shit that people like Doctor Strange and like Scarlet Witch are doing, <laughs> right? All this crazy space time al- alternate dimension large scale. Yeah, all the yeah the grandiose 
blockbuster action. It, it's nice, too, that we get a show to, yeah, like you said, really flesh out the characters um, that, that a movie particularly wouldn't be able to do as well, yeah. as we've seen with Ben Affleck Daredevil. <laughs> like um, we saw with <laughs> and fucking Electra. I wanted the tattoo monster to come back so bad in this series yeah. <laughs> from Electra, oh, the shitty fucking, like, SCP-ass tattoo man. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, but alas, we got oh, God, we got decent yeah. television instead. So I guess I can't complain at this point. After, you know, we're fucking six episodes in. I'm just the masochist. I just want the worst things I can I can find. <laughs> and by God, so we got sorry. it. This was my suggestion too. I'm so sorry. Oh, we got it with Iron Fist. Jesus fucking Christ! All right. So Marvel Netflix has been doing a great job up to this point. Daredevil season one, especially masterpiece. Jessica Jones, great. Luke Cage, awesome. Iron Iron Fist. Iron Fist. So <laughs> Iron Fist. Iron Fist. <laughs> so Iron Fist comic book history is he's uh it's pretty similar. Um it's it's kind of similar to this actually. His origin has less to do with the hand and more of like his father's fascination with Kung Lung. Those who don't know Iron Fist, he's uh he's a little rich rich white boy from New York named Danny Rand. Rich yes, he's the pure Aryan specimen. Danny Rand and his dad had, had been on a trip to Kunlung or something. And then 15 years later, now Danny's in the world and his dad goes, he goes looking for it again. He finds it and yada, yada, parents, something dies and Danny is adopted by Kunlung and he becomes the Iron Fist, just sort of like their most sacred warrior. It's the whoever is the chadliest martial artist in in Kung Lung. They get to go one v one a dragon, and if they do, they get the they get the the fister. <laughs> Good old what what is it? Shao Lao is that that's the dragon's name? Right? Yeah, Shao Lao the Undying. Yes, the Undying, very mystical. Very mystical, yeah. Which the show unfortunately doesn't go into very very yeah, much. Yes, uh, very mystical. Just picture Iron Fist as like your fucking generic ass D and D monk character. <laughs> Because it's literally what he is. <laughs> he harnesses his key to to solve that's, that's all his problems. That's a perfect description of him, yeah. Because he's some, some fucking fanfic Dungeons & Dragons monk. But yes, the character was originally founded in, I believe, 1974. He was first in there. He's like, uh, he's a ninja. I believe his first team-up was, uh, was with Luke Cage, who at the time in the comics was known as Power Man. So it was Power Man and Iron Fist, which they explore that relationship a little bit in the Defenders those two together which i think is could be entertaining yeah just given how different they are yeah uh, and how their characters have been established in the show luke cage isn't as much of a of a gung-ho brawler as he is in the comics yeah yeah he's a little more passive but he's got a little bit of a temper too which um uh it's it's actually cool in luke cage season two they do team up together um which is which is great so there is a power man iron fist moment He's got a little bit of a hothead uh, type of mentality, Luke Cage. So um, at that at that point, Danny has understood his calling by that point, and he's just kind of like, "Hey, man, you just need to chill and breathe and relax." You know, he's like, "So there's a cool, there's a fun dynamic that's shown in the comics of like uh, Iron Fist being the more centered person, and then and then balancing that with a hothead tempered Power Man." So there's a little bit of that in uh, season two of Luke Cage, but but anyways, yeah, you don't really see it in in like Defenders as much, but yeah, yeah, no, you don't. It's a fun, it's a fun little switcheroo, like like you said, um, and you don't see it in Defenders or in Iron Fist because in Iron Fist, this guy's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Daniel Rand is a 
schizophrenic <laughs> maniac <laughs> who should not be trusted with his is fucking his own autonomy, <laughs> much less <laughs> some fucking dragon fist. Yeah. I don't know what these assholes at Kung Lung were thinking. I, yeah, I, I don't know what the dragon fit. was thinking. I don't know what this dragon was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, oh my god. Okay, so I suppose I'll start with the plot of Iron Fist. The plot of Iron Fist doesn't follow the comics as much. It I don't know what they were going for. It's focused a little more on the corporate side as well as the hand. Just I guess the hand is sort of the the overlying villain mm-hmm. for that's sort of like cast its shadow on all the the series. Yeah, and they're like the main villain in the Defenders. They were big in Daredevil yeah, big, and big lead up to them. Yeah, yeah, main villain in Iron Fist. It's all about the hand. This like shadowy Illuminati. Iron Fist is the the sworn protector of Kung Lung, and they're the sworn enemy of the hand. He's supposed to just on sight beat the shit out of anyone with a hand <laughs> that they that he sees. You got hands, you better watch out, because this guy's going to fuck you up. Big yeeting fist. (laughs) Yeah, big yeeting fist. The plot is some shitty, like, amalgamation of this ninja Illuminati storyline, and also, like, some fucking HBO drama. Like, it's (laughs) it's like the fucking show with the rock. It's like Billions. It's like, uh, what's the other one? Succession. It's like this weird blend of both, and it really just doesn't work at all. It... I think if it was just a show about Ninja Illuminati, it would have worked better than this. And I think if on the corporate end, Danny, their other main characters, uh, Ward Mitchum and Joy Mitchum, the backstory in this one is Danny's father, his him and his best friend, this big billionaire company that they're in now, and his father and mother and Danny were all presumed dead in a plane crash over the Himalayas. And his father and mother did die, but Danny didn't die he was found and taken in by the kung lung monks and trained and became the iron fist and all that um, but his father's best friend who died later of cancer so we thought uh he had two kids himself ward meacham and joy meacham and they're played by tom pelfrey and jessica stoop respectively and i think their sort of like corporate drama thing could have been interesting if done on its own and i was texting yeah. you this like as i was watching it the play-by-play interpretations. I, yeah, I think it's just two stories that tried to be told in one season and it just made it so that neither of them worked. They were both yeah. very sloppy yeah, really in execution. Yeah. They were both underdeveloped and rushed. I think the Illuminati story especially jumped around a lot. It started off, the whole show started off with Danny returning home. Kung Long is only ever accessible to the rest of the world once every 15 years or something, apparently. So after 15 years in Kung Lung, just being fucking abused by warrior monks, <laughs> yeah. Danny is crowned the Iron Fist. Yeah. And he's, they just stick him, on the, stick him on a mountain, stick him on the gate, and they're like, all right, don't let anyone in. And then as soon as the gate opens, he's like, fuck you guys, deuces. Out of here. And he dips without telling anyone. <laughs> so pretty shitty Iron Fist off the bat there. He just ran off with the power, the ultimate power. <laughs> Yeah, they all the yeah, eyes. They just basically he just stole their dragon power and was like, "I'm going to New York City, the <laughs> Big Apple." Big Apple, here we go. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, so he comes back and ah, the like fish out of water superhero story has just been done and overdone so yeah, many I, times now. That's very uh, we've seen it with yeah. Thor. We've seen it with Wonder Woman. 
person from a different land comes in. Yeah. There's a superhero, and they gotta adjust to society. Yeah, it was it was funny. It was hip. It was cool. And like Thor did it, and now like ten years later, seeing it happen again is just boring. Yeah, same thing, over and That's, over again. Yeah, see Danny Rand trying to like claim his identity and readjust to corporate life uh while everyone wants to wants to kill him yeah i i feel like too i i feel like they should have just rewrote his character but to just make it maybe he is like us like he's grown up in kunlun all his life and then he comes back to the city and he's like maybe one of the i don't know some like the the forefront against the hand and he's stationed in new york or something you know i i don't know like it, it, I, yeah, I just wish I it would have been yeah i just i don't like this billionaire thing that we've seen plenty of times and it's just yeah, yeah. i guess they try to to do it a little differently than they would because you know the the billionaire playboy superhero archetype is that's it's pretty common yeah we've seen it a lot right. with with things like uh, what came to mind was uh bruce wayne yeah yeah and just kind of like that where he has you know his his billionaire playboy persona on the outside but then you know, on the inside, he's, he's he's Batman, right? And Bruce Wayne is the mask, and shit like that. And I think they tried to go a different direction with it. That way, he wouldn't just be like the basic. Yeah, everyone knows he's Iron Fist, pretty much. He's, he has nothing to hide, and he's still. Yeah, he he fucking tells everyone who listen. He tells the guy at the hot dog stand, he's like, "I'm I'm the I'm the immortal Iron Fist." We need a and immortal like, Iron who? Fist count. I feel like he says it so much, even in the Defenders. Like, <laughs> stick is like, Iron if he Fist. says immortal Iron Fist one more time, I swear to God. Yeah, if you guys want to get fucked up, just watch this show and play a drinking game where you gotta you gotta drink every time he says you hear the word Iron Fist. The immortal Iron. I am the immortal Iron Fist. That's every other line of his. It's pretty every annoying. And I, I'm glad Defenders yeah. addressed that. That was pretty funny. Oh, I love Jessica Jones and Avengers when they were just describing like the plot of the Illuminati and everything. She's just like, "This is so fucking stupid." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just says it out loud. <laughs> yep. He's like, "I'm out. I'm, yeah. I'm checking out. This is dumb." So the whole first four episodes, four episodes are basically him just trying to like claim his identity again because, you know, Mm -hmm. the world thought he was dead. We don't even we're not even really introduced to like a consistent villain in the beginning or motivations for for them or for Danny or for anything like that. Uh, And his motivations are all over the place, like his his identity thing. The whole reason he came back to New York and left Kung Long is is just because he still thought he was Danny Rand. The monks there are all a bunch of fucking psychopaths too. Yeah. They're like beating him with sticks and stuff. Yeah, they just like beat him with sticks until he until he grew up. And I guess that's where his iron fist powers come from. Is the the more pain he endures, the more focus he gets, and he can harness his chi, and then you know get his one shot fist. So masochist man, <laughs> pain pain kink man comes to New York. And four episodes of just boring, just bickering. So much bickering wait, wait, turn, turn, in do this you, show. Do you feel like you might have the potential to be Iron Fist with all this abuse you've taken this entire podcast? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you feel like your inner chis have been unlocked? My chi. I, yeah, the more shitty movies I watch, the more my chi is aligned. <laughs> Amazing. <The> more... <laughs> oh, my God. Help me. <laughs> This is a cry for help. All right. Anyways, <laughs> this is a this is a cry for help. Yes. So Iron Fist, fucking Iron Fist. The villain is Hand. It's one of the it's one of the you know the five fingers of the hand. Two actually appear, but there's also uh, 
There's also the the dad of the Meachams, Ward and Joy's father, Harold, who the hand has saved him from death. He was dying of terminal cancer. Yes, Faramir. They gave him like right. resur- actor who plays Faramir in Lord of the Rings. Yes, Faramir from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, or uh, three hundred. I forget one of the captain the captain dude. Oh yeah, it was. He was a Eye little patch. captain in three hundred. Yeah, so he's there, just campy as ever. Uh, yeah, the the hand granted him resurrection from death in exchange for him like complying and making the rand company like some puppet company for the the hand and so yeah it's just very very messy i think it started off it wanted to be like a slow burn pace and set up the characters because again there's a lot going on they got three different fucking scripts they all mashed into one so they gotta right they gotta get a lot of things done slow it down a bit yeah i guess they do they do gotta I think they really just need to divvy up the plot points in the yeah. script because there was it, it way too much confusing. going on. I I was a little confused at some points during the show. I was like, "What? What is happening?" You know, it's like it does it, with character motivations, especially people flip flop all over the place. Oh gosh, they the, like do. twist intentions with everyone. Don't really land because we don't really spend enough time with a single character to uh, to see what's going on in their head. I think the one exception to this is Ward. Ward Meacham and maybe Colleen. Yeah, yeah. Ward Meacham is the son of of Harold Meacham, the the zombie guy, and yeah, he's. Ward uh, is probably I liked the best him a part. lot. Yeah, I, I agree. He's good. I think Ward and Colleen. Colleen is a, she's like a broke ass dojo instructor mm-hmm. who meets Danny, and they're kind of a romantic interest, and she has her own money problems, and she tries to follow i guess she uh she trained with like her grandfather in japan and he taught her like the bushido code and all that mm-hmm. so she's trying to be like this honorable sensei to her students who are mostly like inner city like struggling kids who she's trying to teach them discipline and martial arts to get them off the street and stuff but she has a lot of anger just about everything and she goes to like fucking brutal ass fight clubs and shit yeah and beats the fuck out of people it's one of the best parts yeah, it's great. And Ward is sort of like the puppet of his dad, who's the puppet of the hand, trying to run this company, and he's keeping it all a secret from everyone. And he's got a lot of issues, and he he turns to like uh, opioid. He turns to opioids to deal with it. And he's very conflicted, and I think the actor Tom Pelfrey does a great job. That guy's in. Um, he's in Ozark. Have you seen Ozark? Uh, I, I haven't watched it, but yeah. I watched a little, yeah. So he's great in that, and he's great in this too. He gives like a really subtle performance, but you could tell he's just like tormented by all the shit that's yeah. going on. Yeah. And the uh, girl who plays Colleen Wing, Jessica Henwick, she was yeah, she's really good too. Is she in Game of Thrones? I think so. I think she's one of the. Um, I was like the it's one of the islands. It was like the three sisters. They were like pretty deadly. I forget. Oh I forget what no! Are you talking about? Are you talking about Dorn? I think so. Yes. Yes. They they were. <laughs> oh like, no! Yeah. Yeah. She, and then you know, I, Iron Fist himself is also from that show too. Some Game of Thrones actors, but I, I feel like they were the weakest part a little bit, like performance wise. I don't know. In Game of Thrones, dude, they sucked in Game of Thrones. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 She was one of the. She was one of the Sand Snakes. Yeah. Yeah. She no, was one really, of the. Yeah. She was one of the worst about that series that ended after oh definitely six yeah well i, I i'm we don't talk like about even in two. iron fist i feel like they're the weakest performers to be honest like i feel like joy and ward are better actors you kind of have kind of oh, not yeah. joy so and good, ward are good. Jessica, 
but also they're badly written too, so I don't really blame the actors. But you know, I yeah, I just There's feel only like so much it's a weak, and I'll get into yeah, they're weak performers. I feel like I'll get into Finn Jones as as Danny Rand as after some research last night. I could see why it was see such a struggle sucks. for him to pull this pull this shit off. Yeah, okay. But I liked her. I liked her choreography. I think that might have been it because she had a she has she's a lot a lot of like martial arts action background yeah. in her filmography. Yeah. And she does, her fight scenes were the most, I don't know, they were just the most engaging, I think, because she was, they were able to do longer takes because she had some more background and she was able to, like, do the choreography um, a little smoother. And as a result of that, they were able to do the camera work a little better. So her fight club fights are some of my my favorite in the show, her, like, cage matches. Yeah, she's like good. That. And yeah. With her katana, too. Is, yeah, she's got, she's got yeah, some the good katana cool. moments. Yeah, she's good. Like that. Yeah, but those are the. Yeah, I I feel like though the choreography is just a slight step down from Daredevil. It's I, I feel like even the execution they're not as on it. Like especially Danny. Like I don't know. There's just some moments where it just doesn't look entirely right. I yes. <laughs> and I uh, I looked at a uh, I found on Cinema Blend a <laughs> it was <laughs> Ooh. I found a little some hot and spicy tea as to why the fight scenes were a bit of a step down. Ooh. And it was uh, it's because the show was rushed as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this show wrapped up a month before Defenders started filming. Oh, so they were back to back with this, and yeah. it was a tight schedule. And in interviews, Finn Jones, the man who played Danny Rand, said that uh, all the fight scenes were really rushed when he was first, you know, when he first went out to to New York to do the filming. He got like three weeks of like hardcore martial arts and like strength training, which is. You know, mostly just the Hollywood, like, getting him into the, the Iron Fist look, getting him in yeah, shape. Yeah, getting him in shape, yeah. But he said he would be learning fight choreography. They'd come and they'd, like, show him what he's going to be doing, like, 15 minutes before they started shooting the scene. Damn. And with such a tight, yeah, with such a tight schedule, they weren't really able to go and, Gosh, that sucks. and do reshoots. Like, to be honest, I, I don't, f- I, I feel like, I, I mean, I kind of do shit on their performance, but I feel like they also just weren't given good material or good direction really, or good... They just weren't prepared enough to, and I don't think that's on them. But I, I just feel like yeah. they're the weakest part, the two leads. Yeah, the characters with a little more depth, like Ward and Joy, they had a little more to work with, and I think the actors did a good job subtly portraying it. Finn Jones, I suppose after this interview, I can I can look past the fight scenes, um, because those were those were a little blander. Those were more of like the taken, uh, <laughs> you know, like the like three cuts to throw a punch type. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and all the all the fancier moves, you could tell it was like it was it wasn't him. Um, it was a little more obvious just as they like jump back and forth between mm-hmm. it, and it was just a little less stylized cinematically in how they fought, as opposed to Daredevil, where you know he has a mask and you have the stunt man who's like a literal professional at this, and they could do the insane long takes or what's his name, John Berthal is the Punisher. Oh yeah, who he John. also has a pretty right. pretty extensive action history experience, and he. You know, they had the time to let them, like, commit to the choreography and learn everything. Yeah. And just sort of master it. This one, uh, no, this dude was given, like, 15 <laughs> fucking minutes to learn the choreography. And then they just put, like, 10 cameras well, around They just didn't even like, right, care with the show. They really didn't. They were they were just getting it out the door. They are like, it's Defender's time. Yep, exactly, yeah. yeah Which I think is in. kind of silly considering Iron Fist is, is easily, like, his, the plot of Iron Fist I think is the one that ties the most into the, yeah, <laughs> the defenders. 
Yeah, it's, it's all about like getting him to access something. Yeah, Luke, Kung Luke Cage sealed and, away. and uh, Jessica Jones kind of just are there. They kind of just get caught they up. They have like it. nothing yeah. to do with it. They, yeah, they really don't. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> they don't. Their stories had absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, speaking of rushing, I think the the director or producer of Iron Fist also, I think, directed or produced uh, Inhumans too, which was absolutely just dog shit. That 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 <laughs> show is so bad. Don't ever watch Inhumans. It's so bad. Inhumans. <laughs> we might have to do a an Inhumans versus Legion episode. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. One of those two. God. Yeah. So with the schedule and everything, I could see why they, the fight scenes felt lackluster compared to Daredevil, where they had the time to to craft it out a little more meticulously. Especially, but I I also think they probably should have thought about that a little more, since Iron Fist is the most, I guess, fight heavy character at least in the comics right his whole character is is martial arts like right yeah he's his name his fist in the name yeah exactly he's uh punching is his thing that's that's his ultimate thing yeah i think if they planned out to have you know i think luke cage you can pull off changing the character so that they fight a little less like that and they make his story more about you know his conflict of like responsibility to harlem and and using his his gifts, Iron Fist gifts are he's a fucking martial arts guy. Yeah. I want to see martial arts in the yeah. movie about the martial arts guy. Yeah, agreed. And instead, we get four episodes of just corporate bickering shit, and then all of a sudden, this like heroin plot line comes out of nowhere, and then they defeat that villain like four episodes before the end of the series, and then another villain appears, some like shitty twist villain, and then they defeat that guy in the second to last episode. And then another villain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking Spider-Man 3. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Just pick it, a villain. It turns into pick that. Pick a story. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like some some Marvel TV executives all walked into the into the Iron Fist pitch meeting with three different scripts, and they all read them out, and then they couldn't decide which one to use. And then that little girl from the taco commercial comes in. She's like, por que no los dos? Right. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. We'll we just, got, yeah. We don't have to pick. We'll just do them all. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have been a better transition into Defenders if it was maybe just about his journey in Kunlun. And they kind of touch up on more of his training in Season 2. And luckily there's like only, I think it's only just one villain, if, if I remember quite correctly. Um, but yeah, it just would have yeah, been better. I, yeah, to maybe just see him as Kun Lun, and then when Elektra comes in, that's when it kicks off the Defenders, and maybe he goes to New York, finds Colleen, they go into you know Midland Circle and all that. Yeah, I feel like they should have just, yeah, maybe just stuck with more of his Kun Lun martial arts thing leading up into Defenders, and how important his fist is, what he's been training for this yeah. whole time. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's so I, messy. I agree. <laughs> I think if season one was more... Kung Lung focused, you know, the gates are opening back up. He's been selected as Iron Fist. He has this duty to, to you know, keep the hand out and stuff. Right, yeah. And Maybe have a rival more Iron eggs. Fist man trying to, you know, get his power as well, which is what season two touches up on. Maybe have like that dynamic. And then Elektra is the big bad villain at the end. And he's chasing her like, to yeah. New York or something. I Even don't know. if it's, if it's like, yeah, if it's, you know, maybe it could tie into the rest with, uh, you know, just we get to see them talking about the hand from a different perspective, from the perspective of fucking thousand year old monks who've lived in a fucking been in the Himalayas for the last <laughs> right. God knows how long with no contact from the outside world. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, maybe just talking about cool the hand. To see, like, you know, you're growing up with these monks and, you know, you, you see their society and then Electra just comes in and annihilates it all. It's just something that's taken away from Iron Fist and so he just 
that's his like revenge kick. Sort of it, yeah. I think it had a little more motivation to Iron Fist. I didn't mind that he had his character conflicts between wanting to be Iron Fist and wanting to be Danny Rand, white privilege poster boy. And that brings me to one thing I really liked in the show and that I saw a little bit of in Defenders is uh, through like the cinematography and the picture direction. All of the characters with like big inner conflicts are constantly shown through reflections and mirrors and you know through windows and yeah. the skyline and stuff like yeah, Danny when he's talking about his when thing. I, when I watched it. Yeah, I saw it a lot with Danny. I saw it a lot with Ward every time he went to go visit his his fucking zombie dad in the penthouse. Which you could see a, the, the shot of the big hallway mirror. Yeah, yeah the big part. dome like looking down on him as he walked up as just sort of like this uh this image of himself and his father like staring down at him. Danny, it mm. constantly happens. Colleen, the Marsh of the Do, the girl in the dojo, uh, she has a big secret, which, you know, I'm just going to fucking spoil it because this show doesn't <laughs> matter. This show sucks. Colleen secretly, like, <laughs> Colleen's like, she's a part of the hand, but she's not a part of the, the Madam Gal, we run in heroin and killing everyone who stands in our way hand. She's a part of, uh, she's a part of Bakudo's finger of the hand, which is, we do all the same shit, but we pretend that we don't. And we don't tell the new recruits about it, <laughs> yeah, which is, which a little is confusing too. But <laughs> yeah, it's fuck Jesus fucking Christ. This show's a mess. That's good. Yeah, there's there, there, in... there's actually a lot of reflection moments too in Daredevil too. A lot of a lot of uh, whenever they're taking a shower and they wipe the glass, you know, it's kind of like this foggy reflection of the characters too, and that that moral grayness of the, of the fog, you know, and what they're dealing with. Yeah, good on Marvel and Netflix. I'll have to look more into it with maybe if sort of that those themes, that thematic framing is present in like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and stuff. But I saw it in Defenders. I saw it a lot with Sigourney Weaver's character in Defenders as she, you know, reflects on her own mortality. Yeah. She's like this millennia big. old being. She looks at herself in the mirror a lot. And I, I saw it a lot in Iron Fist. And I liked that sort of that, that like thematic framing and the concept of, of self and immortality is present throughout all the shows. A lot in what you described in Daredevil, Defenders as well. I, so I like how that sort of ties it all together. For sure, yeah. I think that was some good creative ways of doing that. Yeah, it's almost like she has this false, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character has like a false uh, sense of uh, imitation of motherhood. Um, yeah, with her yeah. and Electra. Yeah, with her and like... Electra. She even does the forehead touch that Stick does to her as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just that whole mortality, just uh, life, you know trying to prolong life through rebirth and very vampirish mm. too when Electra, you know, emerges from her coffin and stuff. Ah, uh, yes, she's she, like she looks like she's been blood. birthed too, you know, it's like oh, it's weird symbolism. Yeah, because it was like a black ichor they poured in there and then it came out red. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of rebirth. Good, better stuff in Defenders than in, than in Iron Fist yeah. with the hand. But Definitely. yeah, that's my, those are my takes on the plot. It's just messy. The action, you know, like I said, is a step down from yeah. things like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, just I guess because of the rushed timing, which is very disappointing because this is the yeah. martial arts show. And it's Disney. <laughs> about the martial they could arts pull guy. It off, you know, like you, you could have had more time, more planning. They could have done it. More yeah, with more time, or I think, like you said, with better casting <laughs> yeah. for Danny Rand, yeah. Iron Fist. In fact, I was just like, I, why not get a martial artist actor to, you know, play Danny Rand, you know? I don't so know, they probably not? watched the last Airbender movie and they're like, no, we yeah. can't, we won't. <laughs> we won't do that. <laughs> can't fall into they that. They hired Aang based solely off his like, martial arts experience. They're like, no, <laughs> not again. No, can't do that. We won't make the same yeah. mistake. I do like the title crawl, yeah. though, for Iron Fist. It's kind of cool. 
it's like you're kind of swimming through you know the black oh it's about yeah you could see the streaks of his of his moves yeah the streaks of the his whole moves. the whole title kinda... crawl is just it's just you know some little cg dude doing kung fu yeah which was kind of cool like streaks through his hands he's like he's trying to find his inner chi swimming through his black you know the blackness of you know ward off the negativity or refocus it into his chi so i kind of liked the title crawl but that's about it yeah (laughs) yeah some kung fu in that the few bits of kung fu action that were in the show were cool i think uh my yeah my favorite fights were probably colleen in the cage um there's this cool one there was like some some chinese mafia they were called the Hatchet Men. Yeah, they the tried to men. attack. Yeah, the Hatchet Men was cool. It was a big hallway fight where where Iron Fist fights off like fucking ten guys wielding hatchets. It was pretty cool. Was fun, I think they some fun top down stuff. Yeah, I think, I think they appear the in season two as well. Season <laughs> if two, I remember, yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, there's that. Um, I like the uh, <laughs> when they go to China to deal with the third villain in the introduced in the season there's uh there's this cool fight danny has it like uh somewhat like a drunken master yeah that, that yeah. fighting style that was kind of fun it was fun to see the creative choreography like that yeah. and how you could tell <laughs> you could tell the people danny was fighting because a lot of the people he fights are just like unnamed goons um which i guess gives him a good excuse to cast like actual people with martial arts experience since they don't really have any scenes outside of that they're just there for fight scenes they could get people who know what they're doing yeah which is why if they cast an iron fist who also knew what they were doing they'd probably be able to do a lot more with choreography at least the framing around it that way it didn't it wasn't so disappointing as a lot of people pointed out compared to daredevil yeah and and what's cool about yeah it there is a little bit more of technicality with Iron Fist, but like Daredevil, it's kind of a mix of brawling and martial arts too. Um, so it's yeah, kind of cool. We see a little some... diversity, yeah. And yeah, it's not like you said about Daredevil where it's super, it's super realistic. Yeah, it's uh, got know, the hyper realism. Yeah. Getting fatigued and and accruing wounds and such. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many punches. Like he just punches, like brawl punches, so many times. <laughs> and it, it was almost like when I first watched it, it was almost laughable. I was like, oh my god, he's punching the shit out of these people it's so hilarious he just doesn't let up he's constantly knocking this person's head so funny beautiful but yeah so it's cool to see that actually yeah yeah this one it's much less realistic they get like stabbed and and sliced and cut danny gets like shanked by a circular knife which those wounds like (laughs) those don't heal very quickly and you know fucking like two seconds later he's just back to fighting form Yeah, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's much less realistic, and I don't mind the more I don't want to say campy, but I guess like extravagant choreography. I guess especially if um, if the character in the show maybe would take in more from like Eastern influence, like they do with a lot of the the char- I don't know. They just bring up like fucking Buddhist quotes and like ham-handedly shove them in the show and mm. then during that episode we'll like make it a theme and then never touch on it again which is a little lame but i think uh what i was saying about the eastern influence in movies where they were very stylized in the fight scenes like that like you know crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff like that where the core it was very refined but it was also very stylizing you got people like wall running and shit <laughs> yeah and doing jumps and everyone everyone's attached to a wire so they could all like fly around yeah flip around yeah, do all that fun and stuff. And I would have rather seen that. I thought I think that would have been cool. Yeah. If, you know, just go with Marvel yeah, had a show yeah, pick about a style. Yeah, stop. 
pick you know, a style. Yeah, and I think that's a, another big a problem plot, with the pick show. Pick a style. Yeah, exactly. Pick a plot. Pick a decent fucking actor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and pick a style. Agreed. And and maybe uh, who yeah. knows? Maybe maybe an Asian representation would have been better for Danny. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I think a little more better. Asian represent Asian representation. Might have been in the yeah, get a martial comics, artist, he's a, dude. Like just do a it. Rich white boy, but. <laughs> Everyone is white in the '70s comics, so yeah, exactly. if they change well, it, I don't think it. Yeah, and, know, and I think his yeah, I think his whole story is just not as interesting. I'm just like, yeah, if you want something new, yeah, you can rewrite Danny a little bit. You know, you don't you don't have to yeah, they just can, stick to the comics. So I don't know. Yeah, they could have been. I think I agree that if we focus more on the Kung Lung stuff and we leaned into like the stylized, you know, Eastern monk aesthetic. Yeah, and did more of that would have been cool. And then you know. Maybe took the script with, with Ward and Joy and the like Illuminati Corporation <laughs> struggle and just put that shit on like yeah maybe Spike maybe TV. for like season two or something you know like just let's yeah let's maybe focus season on that two, you know like at, at a different have all time. the Kong Lung thing fighting off the hand maybe Electra just comes and fucks up everybody in a post credit scene yeah. and he's got to go to New York for justice right. yeah yeah you go to New York and then, and then maybe he finds the out whole... like oh wait I. I own this company. I didn't even know it. I I've been indoctrinated into these monks all you know all my life. You know, oh, oh I, yeah. own, I own I own corporations. Like why why does why is this corporation my last name? You know or something like that. <laughs> I've been cool. I've been like oh you know. Then it's the forefront for Kunlun stations for Kunlun. Maybe the New York station as they defend the hand or something. I don't know something better. I'm like <laughs> dude, anything's better than what we got. Yeah. I would have rather seen that. And then maybe, yeah, we could have the whole fish out of water bit be more of like a Defenders plot line. Exactly. As, yeah. <laughs> He's working with the Defenders and they're all like, who is this? Yeah. Who, who the, why is he an idiot? Sped boy. Kind of, kind of like how he is <laughs> now, you know, it's like, what, what is he? It's basically about? how he acts in the Defenders, except he has no fucking reason to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, I feel like that plot would have been better to, to do that. You know? Yeah. I, I agree. That would have been better. That was one of my favorite part of the Avengers is everyone beats the shit out of Danny Rand. Hire us, Disney. Hire us. We can create a better Iron Fist for you. Yeah, we'll write we'll rewrite Iron Fist. Don't worry, we got you. No one is more qualified to write a television show <laughs> than about, the boys. About Himalayan warrior monks <laughs> than the boys. Than the boys. Hire us, Disney. Than the yeah. fucking boys. Ugh. But uh yeah, Iron okay. Fist. Yeah. So you liking Defenders uh, so far though? I like Defenders a lot more than Iron Fist. I think <laughs> yeah. it, the pacing is a little slow. Yeah, it's a slow burn, yeah. The fights are I like the first fight that they all get into together up in the the bank tower. Yeah. All the white awesome. walls everywhere. It's in you're there in Sigourney Weaver's house. And they all team up and we get to see their like fighting styles complement each other as they play off of each other. Yeah. You know, Iron Fist will jump out and like, just like punch the shit out of a few guys. Right. And then he'll duck behind Luke Cage as a bunch of bullets like brittle him and then Luke Cage will just throw two people through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> while Iron Fist is hopping so around, Daredevil's yeah. doing flips and shit. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I love that and Daredevil like, just steals her scarf, too. It's such a great moment. It's back just, into season yeah. one mode, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, it was like fun back and forth between the characters. I think the characters, they could play off each other really well. Like, you know, Power Man and, and Iron Fist as they just sort of have some throwbacks to the comics. Danny Rand even says it. 
He's like, dude, we could be Luke Cage in the Iron Fist. So I like yeah, that little throwback. Little I throwback. I love I love Daredevil and Jessica Jones and how they like try and keep secrets from each other, but like he can hear people's heartbeats and she's a private detective, so they both do like a shitty job of <laughs> yeah. hiding things from each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're a perfect pairing. It's kind of like Infinity War pairing, really. It's they they paired up themselves it is like really the Infinity, well. Yeah, where they all they just sort of toss them together and they they figure it out. I think that's cool, and I think the slower pace in the Defenders works better than in Iron Fist because. Yeah. the characters are established i loved the first episode where it showed them all and you got to see the the color palettes yeah, swap the back color and palettes forth were amazing just how yeah. it shot i, I loved that it. Yeah. Part. It, it was, was like so comic cool. booky you know it's like you you're you're flipping the page you're in you know that the the it panel was. of and they even showed it a little like that with the with the editing i thought it looked more like a like a film reel transitioning back and yeah. forth yeah, but it was just like that, and all the Jessica Jones scenes, all the shots are like really tight, sort of like a very investigative. It's like someone's always yeah. watching, you know. Very lots of detective themes. The Daredevil stuff is all lit by neons, very noir, just like yeah, how you noir, described the first season. Little, little red. Luke Cage always has yellow. Yeah, it's kind of like a hometown feel a little bit too. You see, you know, the neighborhood shots and. Yeah. yeah, very warm colors, yeah, uh, warm. like yellow tan buildings of Harlem. He's always walking through with his yellow shirt, coloring like that. And then there's Iron Fist, but we don't talk and about him. Iron Fist, that guy. He sucks. Uh, but yeah. Fuck Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah. But what, what I love, too, is when, when the earthquake happens, I think in episode one, um, when in Daredevil's apartment, too, there's a mix of colors, uh, too. There's like flashing of blue, red. All, pretty much all the colors of the heroes, and it's like a call to arms, call for all of them, like to come together. All oh, their their worlds are shaken together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the world is being shaken. They're yeah, exactly. So I, I love and I think that. that comes to a head in in like season or sorry episode four where yeah. they go to the Royal Dragon oh, Royal to Dragon hide out in the, the restaurant. Best. I love that episode. Each each side of the restaurant is is a different color. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you could see the red neon from the outside, and whenever Daredevil gets uncomfortable, he like walks back over there. Jessica Jones walks out into like the blue alley in the back yeah. and she's about to leave. There's like the yellow kitchen right behind Luke Cage and then and then there's Iron Fist. But and fuck then that there's guy. Iron Fist. But yeah, he's <laughs> always the Debbie Downer, I suppose. But yes, he but yeah, it was great. It was a great shot too. Uh even the camera work, like during their banter, I've noticed like it was a little frantic, it was circular, it was kind of dizzy dizzying, everyone's freaking out. And then, and then like a there's a silent movie. moment too. There's like a big breaking moment where it's silent. The camera stops, and then it reverses the angle, the camera angle, and it goes counterclockwise. And it's just really, really good camera work and good, yeah, good color paletting. Like these, these people on Netflix, they know how to make make shows for sure. So it's good. It's good stuff. Great episode. One of my one of my favorites. Just yeah, because of that. And I think the talking scenes and the slower pace in this show. Uh, which is shown in the Royal Dragon. It works a lot better here. It kind of reminds me of uh, like Age of Ultron. Uh, one of the favorite scenes in that was the one of all the Avengers just like <laughs> hanging out and having drinks and stuff oh, yeah. and playing yeah. around. Because all yeah. these, all those characters had been in two plus movies at this point, and all the characters in these in this show has been in you know well over eight hours of content each. Right. So, yeah. Maybe a couple seasons all. for some of them. Yeah. Yeah. A few seasons and. So the little slice of life stuff that we get of them uh, before they're all brought together, which is shown, you know, them in their own little world mm-hmm. as seen by the color palettes and stuff. And then as they try and return there in the Royal Dragon, but eventually come together in the amalgamation, I guess the, the culmination of the stories in, in this one little miniseries. 
I just think it works a lot yeah. better than the slower pace scene in, in Iron Fist itself, because we don't know Danny Rand at all at the time. We don't even like him in Defenders, and we got a whole we had a whole season of <laughs> when he's shown, you know, just him like wandering around in the streets like a little bum ass. You know, we haven't really had any es- establishing character stuff. He doesn't really get into heroics or anything until a few episodes in. So the first episode, you don't really care about him. He hasn't really done anything to show he's like a good guy. So you don't really care about what he's doing, and you don't care about the little stuff. Right. Unlike in Defenders, where we have all the characters that we like now, and also Iron Fist, and we get to see them hanging out before this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? What were your thoughts on the, the Defenders pacing? Yeah, these these shows do have the more uh, drama um, pacing, which is which is good. It kind of you know uh, we get an in depth on characters and you know their their lives and you know it's. It's kind of nice, and then once the action hits, it's really cool, really contained, really gritty. But yeah, it's it is mostly about these characters, and I kind of appreciate that aspect to it. So I thought I thought the pacing was pretty good. Um, I really do like all the you know dialogue bits and stuff. Uh, although I'm I'm sure if people are looking for you know if they're watching a superhero film, they might be looking for more action. But I, I do like that we get these moments. Yeah, yeah, they do go a little out of their way to not be the big blockbuster action sequences like the marvel movies are because if people want that then they can watch the movies and i guess some people would be disappointed in the shows maybe not daredevil i think daredevil is the most action heavy one but there's i think daredevil is also the most character heavy one the the fights are they're nice i like um i like all the different styles come together with everyone Mm -hmm. where luke cage is just like this big tank walking around he doesn't really throw that many punches he just grabs people and like tosses them around <laughs> right like yeah. daredevil and iron fist are doing flips and shit and jessica jones like basically just a boxer running around like, yeah, decking she people. Much, yeah she's kind of like <laughs> yeah she's kind of like luke cage too in that so you got like yeah. two brawlers and then two skilled fighters yeah she's always making quips is she like am i the only person here who doesn't know kung fu <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so funny yeah she's great I, I love her yeah witticism and stuff she's she's a pretty funny character but yeah uh I, I will say too i uh, yeah i know uh daredevil and iron fist go at it there for a minute when iron fist wants to go do his thing uh without the defenders oh yeah um when iron fist on his bullshit his usual bullshit his um, classic iron fist <laughs> classic but yeah he um yeah i i love the fight between them because daredevil kind of kicks iron fist ass just just a little bit but i i will say because you know he's the immortal iron fist i feel like he should have a little bit of an edge over daredevil but it was nice to have his ass handed to him yeah <laughs> iron fist feels he does feel a little i don't know his his power scaling is kind of off depending on what the plot needs but it usually brings yeah. up something i want to talk about in that show is the old the old final fight the thing that I yeah. there's something I hate so much in action movies and it's when the villain of this unstoppable ass kicking action hero they don't want to make it you know I don't mind that they have a villain that isn't just like the hero but opposite where they're also right. some ass kicking ninja but if they're gonna do that then I think they should plan an ending that doesn't involve like a fight between them <laughs> uh, what comes to mm-hmm. mind for me is. Both the ending of Iron Fist, where he has to fight Harold, the business guy, and also oh, yeah. things like John Wick. Yeah, where that, where he's like oh, the right. final boss is like the Russian mobster boss. Oh, and John yeah. Wick is, he, John Wick's killed like fucking 70 people over the course of this movie, just effortlessly. Mm-hmm. He's fought off like ninjas and assassins and shit. And then at the end of the episode, he has like some bumbling little boxing match with like a fat old Russian guy. <laughs> and it's yeah. somehow kind of even. 
And Ed, there's the same issue with Iron Fist. It was like just some undead businessman with a gun. And somehow Iron Fist is like losing. <laughs> struggling with him for some reason. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I don't know why that yeah. happens when the big action hero just has like some fucking fat old dude at the end of fight who's been the villain. <laughs> I think that issue was corrected really well in, in things like John Wick 2, where the, the crime boss that he had to fight, you know, that guy doesn't know how to fight. So they had, you know, his bodyguards be named characters and sort of establish rivalries between them. And John Wick fought them. And then his confrontation with the, you know, the villain of the film was more of a discussion piece. And uh, it was more of like a choice that John had to make rather than a a bumbling fist fight instead of Iron Fist. I think that sort of ending would have worked better with Iron Fist, especially because during that show, he's just shown to be like unstoppable, which he should be. He's a ninja who trained nonstop for 12 years. And he also has like a super immortal dragon fist. Yeah, that's that's so why he, I feel like him and Daredevil, I feel like you should have had an edge over Daredevil just slightly. I feel like. Yeah, um, Iron Fist, I think is a little underpowered in this. Yeah, he really is. Um, I, I will say too, uh, Daredevil kind of does the same thing though that you're mentioning with Kingpin. Oh yeah. Uh, they they give him some body armor, I guess, uh, in his suit. Um, I, I I don't know. Others, uh, they're a little smarter about it, but yeah, at the end, like he does, kind of get his ass handed to Kingpin just slightly. Um, <laughs> but then something else happens to where Matt gets away, or or the Kingpin has to get away, or something. So. I don't know. Um, it's 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 a little more subtle, but like, yeah, there's the ending fight with Kingpin, and the Kingpin kind of holds his own too a little bit. But you know, Daredevil mm. does does get to you know. Yeah, I don't mind when you know villains challenge the heroes in ways other than other than physically. They just need to plan out the ending, the final confrontation a little better, where it it doesn't rely on yeah. a physical confrontation that you know the hero would easily win but then they drag out for dramatic purposes i think it just sort of detracts from what the heroes sort of been through through the entire series i think the final confrontation should be more of something where they have to they have to use everything they've learned and that doesn't always have to be you know fighting skills or anything but you know at the end of iron fist for danny has to like learn to put his rage aside and he doesn't do that he gets his ass kicked by a businessman and then he fucking And then he yeah. impales him. I, th- I think what works too with uh, Daredevil is that both Kingpin and Matt are still human as well, uh, kind of regardless of like who's a skilled fighter. So by the, by the end, you know, it's kind of two fatigued people kind of going at it with each other. Um, so mm. it sort of works that way, but yeah, it still kind of falls under uh, <laughs> where Daredevil should easily beat Kingpin if you think about it. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's got to be. And it was corrected a little in this show since all the villains were like immortal ninjas. You had, like, Madame Gao doing her yeeting, you know, move and stuff. And yeet there's hand, there's yeah. a little bit more mysticism behind that that's a little beyond the physical, <laughs> I guess. I love Zagorny Weaver's, like, clunky-ass wrestling that she had when, with Electra. Yeah. <laughs> Where you could just yeah, tell the actress weird. was, like, she just was focusing so hard on the choreography, and it just looked yeah, so unnatural. Yeah, it was a little janky, yeah. Where it tried to play her off sure. as, like, this elite ninja, <laughs> this old-ass Zagorny Weaver. <laughs> really yeah it was a little it was a little interesting but yeah <laughs> that was a little hammy i also think with the villains they could have they had specified a lot that these uh the hand the fingers of the hand were all from like different parts of the world there was like the, there's dude from africa was it bakudos from like south america and there's like mm-hmm. madame gao and sigourney weaver and everyone else i think it's similar to the iron fist one where the since the whole thing's based off martial arts and they all seem very keen on it they probably could have uh 
they could have mixed it up a little more or put a little more effort into, yeah, I agreed. guess, the choreography yeah. to make it different. Because everyone's just a little katana-wielding asshole in this. There's not really a... And then, you know, there's the actress who plays Gao. is like fucking 80-year-old woman. She's not going to be doing flips or anything. So they just right, give yeah, her the heat hand. Gonna, yeah, could have been handled maybe a little bit more. I did like the... Uh, focused in. The choreography with all the heroes, though, during the final confrontation in the cave. Where it was sort of the yeah, long really hand great. shot. Where it goes around. And again, you see Luke just tossing people around. Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely Jessica's just no punching. form. Just punching people across the room. And then Matt and... Danny's doing like flips and shit, tag teaming. Yeah, which is yeah, that that was an exciting moment. That was a yeah, that was a good scene. I like that sequence. And I absolutely loved, you know, Daredevil and Electra's confrontation too at the end. That was Oh my god, that was that was hot. Yeah, yeah, it was a little steamy. Um I don't I die like yeah, that. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. It's the best best way to die. I, <laughs> best uh-huh. way to die in your toxic <laughs> ass relationship. <laughs> Keep beating the shit out of each other while telling each other you love each other. That's yeah. I'm sure they're gonna work out great. They're, come they're season, out come great, season yeah. three, absolutely, definitely. Um, Happy yeah, I, I actually do kind of love the conflict with Electra too. Like defenders, um, they they thought she was more dead and gone. She's not. She's not who she was. They're trying to convince Matt, and then you know the hand is saying, "Oh, there's too much of Electra from her past life." that's interfering so there's this nice little conflict with Electra that I kind of liked during that and Matt's trying to you know retrieve the good in her mm-hmm. um so I thought I kind of liked that dynamic it was pretty pretty nice yeah I, like, I think they knew that Daredevil was the favorite character <laughs> out of the Defenders yeah. <laughs> so they gave him the little last bit they extra, did extra fight scene with Electra yeah they uh, kicked everyone yeah, else Daredevil's out Daredevil's so the most the, successful <laughs> the Daredevil fighting <laughs> which was which was great I'm glad they ended off on that that note it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Defenders, I yeah, I enjoyed Defenders. I thought it was a really great, I just, yeah, I thought it was a really great show. Yeah, it was a good miniseries, fun team up. I like the, the dichotomies between all the characters. I think, um, I think I like Daredevil and Jessica Jones a little more than, than Luke Cage and Iron Fist, but I could see why they did yeah. it, you know, just like a callback to the Power Man and Iron Fist references. Yeah. But I just yeah. loved the two, like the lawyer and the detective working together and like yeah it just it was a great pairing yeah they kind of they kind a, of can't yeah they i don't know they're a good pairing to where they're able to yeah they just end up trusting each other because neither one can keep secrets from the other <laughs> right <laughs> so they just yeah they just call it a truce so that's kind of nice they just, yeah they just call it a truce and work together yeah i like that i like the little fights that they the interhero fights Mostly between, you know, Heroes and Iron Fist, because that guy's a jackass. I'm, I'm glad there's a little bit more of a, I don't know, we're not so focused on the Iron Fist. There's a lot more that we can, that, you know, can we can unpack during the show and focus on with other characters. And I almost thought the ending was going to be, was going to be a little rough. I was like, no way they're going to replace Daredevil with, with Danny fucking Rand. I know, that, that, that was what I was scared. When I first, yeah, watched Dare, uh, Defenders, I was like, no way, you're not going to do this. You're not going to replace my boy. My There's boy. No <laughs> With a fucking iron fist. I don't know. Yeah, when they had the little sequence where you see the guy like crouched over on the Hell's Kitchen building and you think it's Daredevil. Yeah. And then the hand it lights up and it's up iron and fist. I'm like, I'm like oh, no, please. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they yeah. wouldn't do that. That's a Daredevil's their no, cash cow. No. So and they didn't. So him. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's back. Yeah, they definitely didn't. Yeah, and season two, I will give Iron Fist. They kind of went the Daredevil route, and it worked. So it's it's good, good on them. So I, I guess, guess it was yeah, probably I... the best, best, uh, yeah, best decision for Iron Fist going forward. I guess is had, yeah. had that more vigilantism. I guess 
or something. Yeah. yeah. I still think they did it with Daredevil and they could have done like Iron Fist could have its own style as the other shows all do. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Jared Daredevil, they all have sort of their own like identity. And Iron Fist, like we talked about earlier, was just sort of a, a modge podge of like <laughs> three different scripts and identities for Danny. And I think if they yeah. solidified on one, picked one that was more creative, their own thing, I wouldn't have minded like brutal glow popping vigilante Danny out for yeah. justice and Kung Lung for Kung Lung in his first season. And then, you know, maybe he just learns some inner peace in the Defenders and we get to see the more like the spiritual side and a lot of like the the Eastern themes and stuff like for, you know, all the martial arts related things. Right. It would have helped the, you know, yeah, it would have helped the setting with Iron Fist. It's just, it's just kind of weird with New York. I just, it just didn't feel that, you know. It just doesn't really fit with the character that well. Because Iron Fist is usually in the comics like detached from like our own modern, I don't know. Uh, society so yeah he's like a monk he's he's running around doing his own thing yeah so i don't know but all in all defenders pretty good daredevil really good iron fist no no yeah no and daredevil had a major impact on on things like you know teenage mutant ninja turtles it's pretty much a direct ripoff of daredevil (laughs) turtles are like going against the foot you know and they were heavily inspired by frank miller's work so you can definitely see some of those aspects uh daredevil influence i suppose so (laughs) foot i forgot what a dumbass name the ninja turtles like assassin guild has yeah (laughs) the The foot foot. Wow. I mean, the hand is no better either. It's kind of it's kind of corny too, but <laughs> it is corny. But it's better than a fucking foot. yeah. It's better than a, a foot. I don't oh understand. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, all right. Let funny. us know in the comments if you have a foot fetish, and then unsubscribe. <laughs> and then unsubscribe from us immediately. So defenders, yeah, uh, good good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, Netflix. Great show. If you guys like this one, let us know. We'll do a, a post defenders Marvel Netflix review. And then we'll have to do something with like the offshoot, the less. Uh, team up mcu related ones like legion yeah legion what a great show it's good good stuff Alrighty, yeah well thanks for watching everyone be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and videos and whatnot um you can find us on itunes spotify all that good stuff uh, yeah, wherever you're streaming podcasts we're on it so be sure to yeah, hit it. us up tell your friends tell your loved ones tell your tell your your bunk mates Tell your dog. Yeah, let everyone know. We everyone are know. Let us well. know what you want to hear from us uh, next. We got fun plans for December. and, uh, and We do, and yeah. Let us know what you want to hear. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye, I love you. Kiss, kiss. Ooh, good episode, buddy. Yeah, that was a great Daredevil analysis. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be more interested in that show now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, man, you really... You really tore into Iron Fist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they can't all be good. What the fuck? Wait, what? what? What's going on? What's going on, dude? Dude, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? I liked your episode, Mr. Sprague. Glad you like what Disney's doing with your beloved superheroes. Shame your friend here couldn't see our vision. Fuck you, Iron Fist sucks. You fuck! You think you can disrespect a fucking mouse house? Oh my god. Wait, 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 Mr. Mouser. No, 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 they can't all be great. I'm gonna put this little Please. shit where no one will ever find him, huh? In the no. vault. No, <laughs> no. All the old racist stuff, <laughs> No, stop, it's just a review, Mickey. It's just a review. No, Darren! <laughs>